Hello, hello, and welcome to the Inglorious Pastors Podcast, where we talk about spirituality, news, and how we are pouring one out for AOL Instant Messenger. <laughs> My name is Michael Basinger. With me are Matt Polly, hey. Brad Polly, and together we are the Inglorious Pastors. I was genuinely surprised that that was still around. I didn't know it still existed. I preferred thought it. they killed it a decade ago. Yeah, I preferred MSN Messenger. I think I was. An I MSN think we were MSN, MSN too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, AOL was like old people. MSN <laughs> was where it was at. Oh man, uh, announcements. Except so where you sent pictures of your little stump to uh, unsuspecting ladies. Do you want to see my stump? <laughs> Do you want to see it? Well, we're, off to, we're off to a good start. If that's where this needs to go. I'd like to, uh, like to welcome all the Brandon Hatmakers fans. Hi, guys. <laughs> You're in for a lot more of this. Uh, I apologize. No, you don't. Uh, Brandon will be on in about an hour. Maybe, <laughs> yeah, maybe ahead, less. Go ahead and fast forward to the 45 minute this. mark. You're going to hear a lot of dick jokes. We apologize. <laughs> um, announcements Hillary McBride giveaway. Uh, by the way, uh, Wait, her. No, her book. We're not giving Hillary away. We're giving away Hillary McBride. No. And her book. No, not her. But we're going to give away her book, uh, which, by the way, sold out. So uh, the first which round. Which is awesome. Which is fantastic. Uh, I'm thinking, I'd like to think that's the pastor's That's called bump. the pastor's bump. <laughs> it yeah, is the exactly. pastor. You're the, welcome. Yeah. You're um, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> it could have been the, you know, the blog that she was on where uh, 30,000 people follow. I don't know. Who knows? No, um, it's definitely us. It's definitely probably us. Probably this podcast. <clears throat> Um, so three giveaways, uh, for her book that's coming out in October. So go ahead and pre-order it. So they know that people are going to buy more than just the first round of books. So, um, number one giveaway, Gregory D. Rothbard at poly polycarp 55, but it's a one L. P-O-L-Y. P-O-L-Y, Carp 55. Yeah, not no relation. He sent us a dance video of him uh, dancing. Well, I was yeah. getting to that in feedback, but thanks. Well, <laughs> now we know what gives you a, a, a <laughs> special edge on these contests. Dance videos. Dance videos. Yeah. Um, number two. Sam Moore. Sam Moore. At Moore named yeah, Sam. Yeah, I lost to Sam in fantasy football this week, and she didn't have a quarterback. <laughs> That's Neat. the best kind. I love that. I needed 10 points for my Vikings defense playing, against, like seven. A, playing against a rookie quarterback that had never started a game. Yeah, no problem. Seven points. Yeah. Good job, buddy. My bench defense, 24. however, 24 well, points. Well, we were getting to that and things in the discussed in the pub God, week, I just absolutely... I just... Fantasy football, <laughs> yeah. just straight into the dirt. God. <laughs> All right, uh, Sam Moore. I, I, I just, I'm just now realizing that Sam Moore um, is at Moore named Sam. <laughs> <laughs> I just now got that. Got I even typed it out earlier. Uh, and then third. <laughs> hey, Haley Shop at <laughs> Hales Noel. Um, uh, little Shop of Horrors. Little, the Little Haley Shop of Horrors. Yeah, the Little Haley Shop of Horrors. Uh, she's giving a, a giveaway um, of uh, Hillary McBride's new book. So check it out. Um, yeah, so we'll uh, definitely just go and just pre-order it if you didn't win. Yep. Uh, check out our Twitter also because we're, we're doing more and more giveaways. So 
be hip to the twit at Pastor's Podcast. Don't say that. Hip to the twit? No, that's not a thing. I just made it. We're up. not making that a hip thing. Hip to the twit. Nope. Yep. Um, all right. I'm uh, not hashtagging that either. Uh, voicemail you episode. You can suck it if you think I'm going to hashtag that. <laughs> uh, go ahead and write it down. Um, nope. Voicemail. Um, for our 90th episode, we'll be doing an Ask a Pastor's episode. Uh, if Still you have no feedback. If you'd like to ask us a question, <laughs> call. It's just going to be 90 minutes of silence. 484-PASTORED. Yeah, if we don't get any 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 voicemails, it's going to be a silent retreat podcast. <laughs> It's gonna be gonna be ninety minutes of guided nope. silent meditation. We're gonna call up uh, Andy Moore, and it will be one hundred percent feedback. Just the sound of. Oh. I remember yep. one time in college, there was a radio station that was going undergoing a format change, like they were changing from I don't know alternative to whatever soft rock. I have no idea what oh, they were gosh. doing. But like all, all Peter an Cetera. entire weekend was a running loop of like a friggin' T Rex. <laughs> Like you would just hear, thump, thump. what on? I mean, twenty four straight hours for that's awesome. two, three days straight, like twenty four seven. It was the craziest thing. So that's what it's going to be. It's just going to be an endless loop. Isn't of a something. format change? Don't you just like put a different CD uh, in? You would think, but yeah, it was weird. Like I'm not going to play Bush. I'm going to play Peter Cetera. Yeah, like, well, you know. Yeah, you just go who doesn't from love Peter Cetera? As one does. CD to the Backstreet Boys CD, totally different. <laughs> From a long time ago, Chicago's just an ear turd. It just is. Don't even. It is. I am it is. a man who will fight for <laughs> your honor. I'll was be that the, the one for Was that the one for Karate Kid too? Dreaming of. Yeah, that's the one where Miyagi beats that guy's ass in Okinawa, right? Wanna live forever? No, that's where Kung Fu's a Kung Fu's a giant board that's laying on his chest <laughs> that's during no, a hurricane. Yeah, during a hurricane. We did it all. That's a, a likely story. Yeah. <laughs> Um, also, we'll be recording our 100th episode uh, at in Bloomington, Indiana. That's where Daniel uh, pretends to be a drum and like beats a guy because he's a drum. <laughs> because the guy can't obviously block the same thing he does six times right, in a row. Yes. January twenty or January sixth. There it is. Two thousand eighteen. <laughs> Facebook.com slash pastors podcast for the details and the RSVP. You, is this the song? You turn this up, man. I'm telling you right now, you do. Sing it spiritually now. And I want you here with me. Got to do that fade. The song gets me feels. From tonight until the end of time. You You got to get to the chorus. You got to get to that chorus. You you can't let it build and not deliver. In my soul. I take it all back, Chicago rules. <laughs> that song rules don't at me. I love that song. That is it's that is terrible. That is uh middle <laughs> He's got the bleeper. He's got the board. I got now. the beeper. Yeah. That is middle school dance with an uh, awkward erection. Oh, awesome oh, man. is what that is. That is that is hands on the hips <laughs> as far away from her as you can get. <laughs> yep. <laughs> leave it leave it room Uh-oh. for the leaving room for the Holy Spirit. Yeah, indeed. <laughs>
<laughs> and because you didn't want to touch her with your awkward around. Yeah. God, God. Put that down. <laughs> oh, that's great, Michael. That's Sorry. This is just... Uh... <laughs> So, so guess what? Now that I have the the, the app, I can uh, uh, whenever I tell jokes, I can just hit this button. It's very good. That way, people will actually laugh. All right, at my move jokes. on. Um, <laughs> all right. Um, yeah. So anyway, uh, call us uh, for the voicemail episode. It's four eight four pastor. Yes, that's four eight four seven two seven eight three seven three. Or eight six seven five three zero nine. Don't whatever, call that number. one you prefer. No, but seriously, you'll get a plumber call, in Indianapolis. Address all calls to Jenny. Yeah, that's right. You can, uh, if you'd like to know, like hygiene questions or like dating advice. Michael doesn't have any there, so I um, answered that one. Hey, I take a shower at least once a day, sometimes twice. Hmm. Fun fact. Yeah. Why not? You also sweat like an African rhino. Uh, let look who's talking. You <laughs> that's sweat. A fair, that's a fair you, point, Captain. You Flop sweat, sweat way more than I do ever. Yeah, no, I do definitely. sweat a lot, but you definitely sweat. You sweat when you're sitting still. <laughs> that's true. It's hot in here. It is. Well, it is. It was. It was 72 degrees in here. I am. I am covered with body hair like a throw rug. I can't help it. Thanks, Dad, for those lovely It's like a jeans. misplaced polar bear. Seriously. Oh, my God, this is hot. He's Chewbacca. God, it's like a black bear ah. with mange. <laughs> a mangey black bear. All right. Uh, anyway, let's go into, um, yeah, that song. What aren't we drinking tonight? It's, it's substantial. What are you drinking now? This this is an obscene amount of beer. Yeah, so we've got... Uh, yeah, this this may be a new record for the past. Seven seven beverages. No, seven. No, there's six. no, we already had one. Oh, yeah, you, yeah. you alcoholics awesome, already forgot. Oh, I didn't get the bottle for that. That was legitimate. It was uh, really good. So we're doing Oktoberfest. Um, it was an actual German from Hofbrau. Yeah. We've got another one too. Hofbrau Oktoberfest. Hofbrau, barely newer. Nope, that yep. didn't work. Nope. <laughs> that didn't work. Nice try though. It's a it's a very Hofbrau joke. Lowbrow. Low yeah, I got. Yeah. I know it's still not funny. Yeah. Um, wow, man, I don't have my button up to, to yeah, make too people laugh. Yeah. Um, all right, so we're doing Oktoberfest beers. We're gonna try a little bit of everyone. I swear we're not an alcoholic. I should have brought the breath. Well, there's only about two ounces of beer in each it's one of these flights. It's a flight. Classes. It's, just, it's a flight of six we're beers. We're basically drinking a, maybe a little over. It's a an extended beer. flight, yeah. but it's just a lot of different mm-hmm. flavors. I'm so. pretty sure it's more Let's than. Just start. No, right. it's probably. I would say you're looking at 16 ounces of beer. What are we route? What are we rating here? Uh, later hosen. Hmm. Yeah, hmm. beer hall putch. Yep. No. <laughs> what? what? <laughs> beer hall putch. I don't even no, know what that means. What is that? No, I don't even know. Never mind. I've heard that used before. <laughs> I'd hashtag that. I have no idea how <laughs> to spell putch. P U T C H. Beer hall. Beer hall. Beer hall putch. Are you looking at somebody? Google that. What is what, what is what it? is that? I'm looking. It's I, uh, oh yeah. And also knows the the Munich push. <laughs> is is it a putt? Oh, it was a failed coup attempt by the Nazi Party Adolf leader Adolf Hitler. Yeah, we're not gonna hashtag that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. uh, beer hall putsch. Yeah, that was. I'm sure that's not how you pronounce it. They tried it. to kill him in a beer hall. No, it was a failed coup attempt by Adolf Hitler. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We're not gonna hashtag that. <laughs> Look it up on Wikipedia if you give a shit. Yeah. 
Um, I'm going to beer hall putch all this stuff. <laughs> you're, you're late. Was I late? Yeah, I'm going to beer hall putch this in my mouth. <laughs> later, Hosen. Let's just do later, later Hosen, Michael. Hosen. Okay, the first one is from uh, Schlafly. Which was, I believe, the winner last Schlafly. week. Schlafly. Oh, two weeks ago. Uh, the pumpkin pumpkin beers. Beers. I yeah. think for you two, I was more on the, the Voodoo Ranger one. They were both good. Yeah, they were both I, very those good. Those were both pretty yeah. equal with me. Mm. Mm. Man, they make good beer. Mm. That's nice. It's like a Marzen style, which I really enjoy. It's like that maltier, um, mm-hmm. kind of a more amber type Oktoberfest, kind of on, on in the vein of Sam Adams Oktoberfest. Yeah, yeah, very similar. Uh, man, that's nice. Yeah, that's, that's a really nice. It's a uh, very, uh, very bready. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, malty. Yeah, so it's good. Next, uh, oh wait, what do we iterate that? Uh, one? Um, I'll give that a four. I'm gonna give it a three. Yeah, I'm going to give it like three and a half just because really? I yeah. I really like that. I would drink the crap out of that. Well, I mean, it was good. What, what did we give the first one? The 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 one we had while we were drinking. Oh, that's easily four. Yeah. Yeah, that's, so a, that's a, a straight four. German. Yeah, yeah, that's a right. really good beer. Okay. Uh, Brooklyn. This is from Brooklyn. This is going to be good because Brooklyn makes great beer. Yeah, Brooklyn lo- knows a lot about Lederhausen. Mm. Ooh, that's got some uh, spice in it. Yeah, on the end of it for yeah. sure. Oh, that's nice. That's a four. For yeah, me. I'll I'll give give that back, four. I'm going to back up on the Schaffel and give that a three and a half. Man, I'll I give the Brooklyn. A, I need a cracker. I'll give the Brooklyn a four. That is that is good. Yeah, I'll give it a four. Yeah, I need a cracker too. Good grief. Oh, the next one's from uh, Einger. Yeah, this is Out a legit Germany. one. This was more expensive than the rest. <laughs> uh, this is a Marzen style as well, I believe, if I'm reading that bottle correctly. Mm-hmm. God, this is going to be great. I would sniff it, but it smells like plastic cup. Oh man, that's awesome! Yeah, Germans just know how to do they it. Just, man. They've they been doing really, it for a long time. It's got a good crispness to it. God, that's just ridiculous. Um, I love Oktoberfest beers, man. I do too. That's a that's a four and a half for me. Yeah, I'll give it a. Uh, Actually, I'm going to go ahead and give that a five, and then if I need to back off of it, I will. But that's I'll give it a five. I'll go four. Fantastic. I'll go four and a half on that. That's pretty good. You're not getting a six pack of those. Those are you have to find them in the big bottles. Yeah. Uh, this one's from Five Rabbit Brewery. All right, never so heard of this that. is the one. So I went in a couple of weeks ago, talked to the guy, and said, "What's Where's the best one?" From? I don't know actually. Uh, and this is the one he said, and I don't even think it's technically a, a Oktoberfest. It's a Marzen though, as well. Yeah, it's that Marzen style. I can't read the writing; it's too small. Bedford Park, Illinois. Oh. Uh, that doesn't help. No, I'm not guessing Chicago. I'm Everything guessing Chicago. Illinois from Chicago. So, mm. Mm, that's good. Oh my god, dude! That oh, that's yeah. a five. That's, that's a five. okay. I'm gonna back off of the Einger. Give that a four. It's called yeah. the, the Vida y Muerta, dude. Um, beer brewed with milk, caramel, and spices. Oh my god, it is really spicy. Not yeah. spicy like hot, spicy like cinnamon, clove, mm-hmm. nutmeg. Wow, that's very good. That is a damn good that's beer, man. Yeah, that's that's gonna be the winner tonight. Yep. I think that's that uh, that's a five for moving me. Moving to the front, yep. five rabbit. Check them out. I can't reach these other ones. Five later, hosing on that one. What's this one? Uh, Sierra Nevada. Oh, I've had this one. Yeah, yeah, that's good. That's solid. That's a that's a three. Yeah, I mean it's a, it's a, it's it's just a good Oktoberfest. Yeah, pretty inoffensive, and they're cheap. Sierra Nevada's affordable. Yeah. yeah. I give it. Yeah, a, it's I more give it a of a. Well. I would say that's more of the like the traditional German style Oktoberfest. The beers are lined up so far apart that <laughs> this, yeah. that literally this Matt's is, beer uh, was closer fat to me than it was to him. Out of do we know? Um, 
I think Middleburg Heights, Ohio. Ohio. Is that Dayton area? I have no idea. Or is that Columbus? I wonder. Cincinnati? Couldn't tell you. Yeah. Barely knew her. <laughs> that uh, doesn't make sense. It's like his Hoffbrow. That doesn't make sense either. Mm, that's a good. Mm, I'm not big on that one. I give it a three. It's not. It's not terrible. I'm gonna give that one like a two and a half. There's something weird in that. I'm not big on that one. It's all right. I mean, it's not crap, but I give it a three. It's fine. I give it a three. Yeah, it's fine. So I'd so, say uh, for me, the winner is Five Rabbit, followed by I Injure. Yeah, yeah. And then Everything the other one. What was the up. first one we had? Uh, uh, Schlafly. Schlafly. Was no, I mean the one before that. Oh, uh, oh, the, uh, uh, Hofbrau. Yeah, the Hofbrau. I like that a lot. Those, those the Hofbrau's really dry. Like it's a yeah. really mm-hmm. dry, yeah, Oktoberfest style. Yep. So many beers. Yeah, I need more crackers. I yeah, so it's a wreck. so go buy this. Yeah. Um, okay, uh, this round is on Brandy Roberts. Um, Thanks, Brandy. Thanks, Brandy. Uh, born in Lancaster, California, and has lived in Palmdale, California, her entire life. Fun fact: she never moved. And uh, still lives in the same house she grew up in. Hmm. Uh, she currently lives with her parents, her brother, his fiance, and their baby. Jeez. It's time to start a sitcom. <laughs> um, I think that's probably been done. She is the first of four kids and was born shortly after her mom became a Christian at a Keith Green concert at Altar Call. <laughs> I like Keith Green. I know you do, Michael. You can run to the end of the highway. <laughs> I'm not gonna know any Keith Green references you make. So really, no. You, you he was two before your time. How would he be before my time? <laughs> well, he's. I'm older than you by like. A I know amount. he's definitely before my time, but I still like him. He died in like the the. Keith Green is dead to me. <laughs> Keith Green totally dead to me. He died long time ago. Long time. Okay, that's, that's fine. I don't know. I didn't listen to Keith Green ever, yeah. alive or dead. Well. You're missing out. No, I don't think I am. Yeah. Move on. Keith Green, Keith Green is a national a, treasure. What did he a Christian artist that was he's kind of the forerunner to like Rich Mullins? Oh, for bit sure. Prophetic and for sure. Yeah. Died too soon. Yeah. Gone but not forgotten. Um, anyways. He's pretty forgotten mm. by a lot of people, I think. Uh, not me. Except Michael. That's because you have your his poster on your wall above your bed. I don't, but it, that's a good idea. Didn't he have like a big kind of curly fro? Yeah. Yeah. Did. Played piano. It's good. It's very important. All right. All right, next. Brandy Roberts. <laughs> this um, is some exhilarating podcasting. Her, her parents were always loving and raised her well, but because they were new Christians um, and she grew up in a fundamental Baptist church, she had a fear of going to hell and she felt guilty <laughs> for everything. That. Yeah, imagine that. <laughs> she was extremely shy uh, and depressed from age 7 to 11. Um, it didn't help that she was homeschooled. Uh, then she switched. Then they switched to a uh, more progressive church called the Desert Vineyard, and she learned more about God's grace. Can you grow grapes in the desert? Uh, apparently, oh. Desert Vineyard. Maybe it's dessert. I can't tell. <laughs> <laughs> the de- <laughs> Yeah, I got it. <laughs> They're spelled very similarly, Michael. I get it. <laughs> oh shit! I cracked myself up. Nice, great, uh, With a lot of prayer and reading scripture. Her depression lifted, and uh, she was determined to be a positive and inspiring person despite all her fears and insecurities. In her 20s, she went to college and graduated with a bachelor's in English because she was uh, she wanted to be a teacher and a creative writer. Her last two years in college, uh, she dated an asshole um, yeah. and made some bad choices <laughs> and ended up pregnant. 
Um, she had a miscarriage and dumped the guy. Um, this was pivotal in her life uh, where she decided to get more involved in ministry despite her social anxiety and fear of people. Fun fact, she has a fear of frogs. Is I that like, related to her fear of people? Or? No, no, but I love how she sprinkled them in. It's just perfect. Totally just <laughs> mm-hmm. out of the middle of nowhere. Because I always say, send me your bio with some fun facts sprinkled in. She totally did it. Um, <laughs> Literally sprinkled yeah. them in. Uh, after graduating, she decided to go into uh, go to a uncredited ministry school called the Vineyard Leadership yeah, Institute. Let's, let's, let's be honest. An accredited and not accredited. Not, not much a whole difference. Lot of difference. <laughs> Um, she felt a call to young adult ministry. Um, she decided uh, she was going to become a pastor. During that time, she was so passionate about, passionate and motivated. She created a small group at her house, went on missions trips, and started a street prayer ministry. Fun fact: uh, <laughs> she used to lead uh, women's purity Bible study, um, and uh, someone at her study said something about hairy balls. Um, and it made her face turn bright red, and her friend noticed. So um, her her friend uh, called her HB for quite some time in front of other people for the next couple of years. <laughs> she loved doing ministry. She grew up more confident as a leader, but it was all volunteer. Uh, she wasn't taking care of her own mental and physical health, and um, she was still working part-time and financially struggling. A year after she finished the program, she began deconstructing her faith, having health issues, and her past and our, her church was uh, pushing back on her desire to become a pastor. Ooh, imagine that. Uh, she felt very, <laughs> very hurt. <laughs> really, that's just we get so many bios, and they are so similar, man. Yep. Like <laughs> uh, she felt very hurt. Well, you definitely have a niche. Yes. Unappreciated and depressed, <clears throat> and so she handed over her ministries and left the church to take care of herself and to find a job. She happily doesn't attend church anymore, uh, but considers herself a progressive Christian mystic. Um, she's a full-time high school substitute teacher. She is host of Drinking at Bible Study podcast. Mm-hmm. Brad was on there. I was. Um, yeah, thanks for the invite. Yeah. Nobody they, wants to talk to you. You're not interesting. Uh, well, <laughs> they didn't invite me, and I'm definitely interesting. I've been on Outside the Walls more than <laughs> no, you guys you're, you're really something. Brandon wants to talk to me. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Now we're all on the Outside the Walls podcast. <laughs> this is um, how we feel about Brandon. Okay. She will long Tim Andrews. <laughs> uh, she will start going Bo to Jangles apparatus. <laughs> Oh, goodness. I love the apparatus as the new thing. Um, so she will start going to school next year and plans to be a marriage and family therapist. Do you ever wonder what therapist. we're going to be calling him in like two years? Well, like It'll be some weeks. weeks. It is like, it's what's I'm saying? It's morphed so much. What's, that, what's the thing that the British do where basically sayings just warp into other sayings? Yeah, it's so Cockney. It like Cockney. Cockney language. Yes. Yeah. It's I don't know what Brandon is going to be, but it's going to be mm. totally unrelated. This is Outside the Walls with Butterbread Antenna. <laughs> <laughs> uh, can we call it Butterball instead? <laughs> Butterball's Antenna. <laughs> Butterball's Antenna. Oh. Um, she has dreams of being a writer and some, uh, and some ideas she will uh, begin writing about soon. She continues to struggle with shyness and social anxiety, but takes better care of herself so it doesn't keep her from doing the things she loves. Fun fact, 
She's been online dating for about 10 years and she's finally in a healthy relationship. It's been six months and it's the longest she's dated someone since the asshole she dated in her 20s. Awesome. <laughs> Fun fact. Uh, the, he's just known as the asshole I dated in my 20s. <laughs> <laughs> That's where you can find him it's on Twitter. It's the one, it's, it's the one uh, like beautiful part about the fact that I was completely repulsive to the opposite sex. I'm just nobody's asshole. Yeah. No. Because I was nobody's boyfriend. Brad so is nobody's uh, asshole. Like, Write it down. <laughs> Put it on the board. Got it. All right. Um, so uh, there, there's, there are advantages to looking like Screech throughout high school and college. Yeah, there's advantages <laughs> to look like a Holocaust survivor when you're a senior. Indeed. Wow. Go back and look at my senior pictures. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. He ain't lying. No. Uh, I weighed 106 pounds my senior year, Michael. Soaking wet. Yes. <laughs> if I hadn't eaten for three days. All right. Fun shit fact. recently. I've got three more fun <laughs> facts about her. Let's let's do this. Action movies put her to sleep. Uh, dramas <laughs> keep her on the edge of her seat. Fun fact. Uh, she loves metal, hardcore, mu- and hardcore music. Her favorite uh, place to be at a concert is in the front row. Music is the most spiritual thing in this world. And last but not least... Fun fact, her two favorite things ever are IPAs and jelly beans. She could have a lifetime supply of either one of those two things, and she'd be happy. It's hard to argue with that. Mm -hmm. Yep. Thanks, Brandy Roberts. Yes, thank Thank you. Thank you for being a friend. (laughs) Travel around the world and back again. We'll get through that. We'll Um, get through the whole thing. Man, I wish you were doing Night in Shining Armor. That's a way better song. Yeah, it's 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 fifty fifty for yeah. me. If you'd like to buy us around, go to patreon.com slash pastors podcast. We offer exclusive episodes of pub crawl, turd talk, and hymns of reconstruction. Had an awesome t- pub crawl this past uh, weekend where yes, we, we talked did. about Derek Webb's new album. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Um, anyway, uh, at any level, you can access the Pastor's Pub. It's a closed Facebook group where we talk about life, spirituality, and just about everything else. Things discussed in the pub this week. Um, the Believe in God breath spray. It helps you believe mm. in God if you mm. use it. Uh, pumpkin spice ham. I, oh. tr- I try it. I'd probably try it. I prefer a salty Virginia style oh, ham. I love man. Yeah, love ham. man. Uh, what? I could eat some ham maple, right now. Maple flavored or yeah. some. No, just some salt. Just a salty. I don't like sweet ham. I want. Oh I want man, honey ham. ham? You know, I mean, no, I'm more. I mean, it's fine, but I'm more of a salty Virginia ham. S- you know, douse it in honey so and I'll put it in my mouth. <laughs> wow. Uh, daily devotionals. I'm just going to let that one go by. Yeah, yeah you're okay. welcome. Yeah, that's we for are. the listeners at home saying that's what she said. <laughs> and I know. <laughs> and I know. Um, we talked about Star Wars uh, tickets and trailers. I got my tickets. I got mine. Reserve yeah, seating. Yeah, buddy. Top row in the middle. Yeah. Me and, me and Lenny. I'm keep so rehashing the same shit. By the way, do people know that my son's name isn't actually Lenny? No, I think some think people they think they, it's not Lenny. Well, my son's name is not uh, Puddle Club. <laughs> yeah, my, as far as you know. My my daughter's name is not the White Witch. <laughs> my so. oldest son's name is Elijah, but we don't ever I've never called him that for a long time. Do people call like, him Eli to, ever? Thanks to Uncle Brad. Some people do. Huh? It just depends. I've never heard Eli. anybody call him Eli. Yeah. Some people in no, the soccer I've team have. A few, say, I've never heard him call Some of his Eli. friends do, yeah. All right. Um, uh, one of our turds had a sibling on the Robcast. Yeah, so I haven't listened to it yet. I'm it's excited. Good. I haven't, yeah, I'm excited. Yeah. I haven't it actually to it either. gave me a sliver of hope for the per, yeah. for the political system. Yeah. 
I, you know, yeah, it was good. It was really good to listen to. Now it's time for people. our weekly fantasy football update. Brian O'Dean, <coughs> still number Dude, one. Dude, he is nobody's going to beat I'm him. I'm down to 22nd, I think. I'm, um, I'm, I'm really climbing down I those held, ranks. I, I held tried strong <laughs> at second. Matt dropped the spot to 11. Yeah, because Roethlisberger <laughs> threw five picks. Uh, two I'm, pick sixes. I tried to, Brad dropped I two tried, spots. <laughs> I tried to change my name to f- this team. Yeah. And they, they won't let you. They wouldn't let me. Well, so it's kind I of changed it. I changed, changed my team name to uh, Sacco del Toro. Yep, there you go. That's, that's ah, the name he's going to be in the new Star Wars. Sacco del Toro. Yeah, Benicio. Oh, is he really? His brother Benicio. I call him uh, Sleepy Brad Pitt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, pretty close. Yeah, he looks yeah. like a Sleepy <laughs> Brad Pitt. Yeah. Okay. All right. The first time I ever saw him was in the movie Traffic, I think it was called. And I was like, Brad Pitt looks like he's been on a bender. I had no idea it wasn't Brad Pitt. Like, kind of looked like Brad Pitt if he had done a bunch of math. No, not math. Well, he did. He looks a little more. He was pretty grizzled in that movie. If you've never seen the movie, I don't think I have. I think it was Traffic. Yeah. Anyway. All right. Sleepy Brad Pitt. Here we go. Wait, we have fat bastards. Oh, Oreos. Fat bastards. Uh, we're doing uh, Oreos. I bought them yeah, at Kroger. Yeah, these are these apple pie. They are apple pie. I've had them already. Uh, They're fine. <laughs> I'm really glad we did this segment. <laughs> Good talk. Mm. Let me ask you a question, Michael. Yeah. How long have you had these? Like three weeks, I've been saving them. They're a little stale. Like, yeah. yeah, but they went from just that, in the open air. No, they went from the back to that Ziploc pack. <laughs> he kept them on his literally like practically liquid. <laughs> They're so soft. <laughs> he kept them on his dashboard. Oh no, mm. they've been in that Those plastic bag the whole time. They're good. Um, they're good, but I will say they have a little bit of a really off-putting fake apple aftertaste. Yeah, but I like. They're fine. Three, three, whatever. Johnny Appleseed, sure. Yeah. He died in Fort Wayne. He really? Or something. <laughs> so well, Matt. Everything up there is Johnny Appleseed. They have like a Johnny Appleseed festival. Matt's going to die in Fort Wayne. We well, you know their baseball team is called the Fort Wayne Tin Caps. Mm-hmm. That's because of Johnny Appleseed. Uh, he's How supposedly, the hell do you know that? He's supposedly buried up there. Well, we, you know we're way there. too much about no, Johnny we're Appleseed. Up there, we're up there all the time for work, and I kept seeing all this Johnny Appleseed stuff. Like, what? why? Yeah. Like, And so I looked it up. Sure yeah. enough. Well, they cl- there's like some the more pissing know. match between them and some other town that says that he was from there or died. Because these are the issues we need to worry. You know what? These are the issues we need to worry about. Yeah, I'd rather really worry are. about these. Then yeah. I'm really tired yeah. of worrying about whether or not we're going to mash the nuke button. Yeah. So mash it, mash it, mash it. Kylo Ren's going to do it on Leia, his mom. By the way, my um, here's here's my theory on what play the music, play the music, play the music. Wait, 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 wait. wait, wait, wait. What's the oh crap? I forgot the saying. What's the, what did just, I say last can week? I just talk. No, 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 no. I got it. I got it. Okay. Welcome to this week, right now, with your host Brad Polly. Brad, over to you. Thanks, Johnny. Uh, so, <laughs> it's my new favorite segment. This is my my theory on what Drumple Stiltskin is doing. Is he knows that he can't just launch a nuke unprovoked, and so he's trying to provoke. North Korea into launching something so that he can attack them and destroy them with nukes. Click baiting. That's exactly what he's trying mm-hmm. to do. Because he, he can, if it's retaliatory, he can be like, well, they fired him first. So that's what he's trying to do. War is the only thing that, are, that ups a bad president's approval ratings. Mm-hmm. And so he's just going to go to war any way he can. 
This has been This Week Right Now with Brad Polly. Mm-hmm. Stay tuned next week when Brad talks about something more positive. Well, not really. Last week I talked about why Christians shouldn't own guns. So <laughs> yeah, we'll shoot for something better next week. Because <laughs> I pretty much want to put a bullet in my head right now. So thank you for that. Yeah, no problem. I think we should not do that segment anymore. <laughs> all right. Lock up your fears, dry all your tears, refill your fears. We're headed into the news feed. Yeah. It worked. All right. All right, here we go. Let's go. Let's go to Michael. He's got 400 stories. Really? That was a grenade. Stop it. Shut up! Go ahead. <clears throat> I'm, I'm not going first. Are you done? I never go Are first. Are you done? I'm never going to be done. <laughs> it. <laughs> Grandma accidentally buys a super NSFW book for her granddaughter, and it's hilarious. Oh, did you see this? I saw that. I don't know that I did. It's yeah. called If Animals Could Talk. The first page is with a chick. says, all right, let's tear the roof off this mother... Whoa, <laughs> chick. Uh, let's see, another page. Uh, let's see, this is from Polar Bear. Uh, I think I have a Coke problem. <laughs> <laughs> this is from Kangaroo. Get your bleeper out. Hold on. Okay. <laughs> Hold up. Hold. Yep, all right. Okay, it's a kangaroo looking into its pouch going, where the... Are my keys? <laughs> That's kind of funny. Uh, there's a manatee. The manatee saying, "You motorboating son of a bitch." <laughs> we didn't believe that out. <laughs> the blowfish is saying, "Someone get my epipen." <laughs> the deer is just saying, "Staring contest." <laughs> anyway, it's just she bought this for her granddaughter and had no idea. Oh, um, grandparents and never change. The mom tweeted, "I'm dying." My mom bought this book for my <laughs> six year old. And I just called to ask if she had actually opened the book. She hadn't. So, <laughs> Michael, God dang it. Stop it. <laughs> just, gosh. I'm like Brad when he finally got the, uh, the soundboard. No, he used stuff that mattered. You're just hitting random buttons. Hey. Oh, gosh. Anyway, okay. Uh, I've got one more. Oh, what is that? Michael, that jackpot. stop. All right, I'm done. <laughs> I'm putting it down. I scared a lot of people with that bomb last week. Yes, you did. You scared me. You scare me, and I knew I it was, was coming. Driving. I was at 75 miles an hour on the interstate. I about drove off the road. It was awful. All right, here we go. You ready? Yeah. Um, Florida man. No, Florida oh, is man. Yours? Dang it! Hold on, hold on. No, I, I got a different one. I'll find another one. Hold on. I had another one. Florida man. Florida, Florida man does whatever okay. a Florida, Florida man, man can. does. Okay, here I got this one then. Okay, uh, this is from KUTV. Uh, on your side. your side in Salt Lake City, Utah. Police say parents left three-year-old son at corn maze. Didn't realize uh, until morning after. What, dude? Somebody's doing the what? polar bear juice. Dude, that is horrifying. West Jordan, Utah. A three-year, three years old. How old's Miles? Five, five. So two years younger than him. Like how, a toddler. I don't understand Hold how. On. A three-year-old boy was reunited with his parents Tuesday morning after his parents left him in a corn maze overnight. Around 8 p.m. last night, the boy was handed over to police working security at the crazy corn maze in West Jordan. It is crazy. Let me ask you a question. Hmm. How do you not know until the next Here day that you're missing a three-year-old? The maze oh, informed man. Three-year-olds, in case you're wondering, not quiet people. Yeah. 
Uh, but is it the White Witch three or Digger? No, uh, no, she's she right. is she's two. two, and the Diggory's four. Right? Uh, yes. Okay. Four. Well, so you're you know still like yeah, Diggory's not, age basically not yeah. quiet children generally. No, like I don't even even a two year old you would realize what was like. Going I want to try to give them some sort of benefit of the doubt. You're like, doing well, mistakes drugs. happen. However, the maze the maze somebody's inf- on drugs. The maze informed guests that they had mi- had a missing child, but nobody came to claim the boy by the time the maze had closed. Wow! An officer oh. called the Utah Division of, Ch- of Child Family Services, who took the child in for the night at, on Tuesday morning around seven forty a.m. The parents called West Jordan Police Department, reported the child missing. The parents woke up and realized the child was gone after they got home from the corn maze. <laughs> What? Police told them the DC, DCFS had They didn't think that it was weird the they didn't have to put a three-year-old in bed? I know. I yeah, Something's... And that's all the story is. Like, oh, something is... Oh, man. Like, did they... Are they going to lose the child? Uh, so no I no citations so. or charges have been filed as of yet, but the case is still being investigated. Man. Like, I don't know... Jeez. Well, I mean, really people, don't know well, how that's possible outside of being, like, on sa- drugs. the or same way that hammered. people leave their child in hot cars. No, people do that because they're bad parents. No, yeah. like, no, but there are people who legitimately just forget their child is in the back seat and go in. And it's not that the child's going to be able to yell through the car to hear. Like, okay, that? fine. Like, overnight, mm-hmm. you get home. I know. You don't take a kid out of the car. Yeah. You don't put a kid in bed, and then you wake up and go, where's Johnny? Yeah. What? Like, what the hell? His daddy was taking him fishing. I know. That is, that's crazy. What? What? Was that a Johnny's terrible music daddy reference? Was taking him fishing. I he I just was eight I, years it's old. a Taylor Swift song. No, it's not. It's Billy Ray Cyrus. No, I think Miley Cyrus. Else. I don't remember who it was. Daniel Johnson. No, oh, it started back over. Oh, we'll play the other Bummer. one. Bummer. All right. Anyway, yeah, I don't. That's uh, somebody's gonna go to jail for that because that's there's either, gonna either, be more. There's got to be more to this. Either story, alcohol's yeah. involved or something like. I just, I can't, I don't know how you, like you said, it's not like you, three-year-old, like you said, three-year-olds make a ton of noise. Like, I would think they would, he'd be yelling and screaming for his parents. So, anyway, yeah. Right over to you. What you got? Oh, crap. Uh, I'm getting there. The story you yelled at me not to do. Yeah, uh, Florida man. Florida man. <laughs> uh, it's been a little, it's been a few weeks since yeah. we got a Florida man. Uh, Florida man sets self on fire <laughs> after Cowboys loss. <laughs> nice. So the Cowboys lost in pretty dramatic fashion. Yeah. Again. Again. At home. Again. To, to Aaron the Packers and Aaron Rodgers. Um, again. again. In very similar fashion. Yeah. Uh, 27 years old. So really ought to know better. Uh, was hospitalized with second and third degree burns after setting himself on fire when he lost a bet on Sunday's Packers-Cowboys game. To per, his, to per his the wife. local Sebastian Daly... They're on your side. Like, whatever. The man on reportedly your had a bet with his wife in which the supporter of the losing team would have to burn their jersey. Okay, fine. Well, that makes a lot of sense. The Cowboys lost 35-31, and so the guy went outside to burn his jersey. Okay, but he told deputies that he was drunk and tried to put the jersey on while it was burning. Yeah, I need. Family yeah. members pulled the jersey off the man at the Vero Beach residence. I've been to Vero Beach <laughs> a number of times. Nice place. And rushed Wonderful. him to the Indian River Medical Center. A witness told the paper skin was hanging off his arm and throat. Oh, man. You dunce. Yeah. I mean, ser- come on. Like, I mean... <sighs> You could say uh, you could say he has a burning passion for his team. Hey! Thank you. It's great. <laughs> That's good comedy, folks. You could, you could certainly <laughs> say that. 
Do you have another one? I, I do. You know what? Uh, yeah, okay. Well, this one lost a little bit of its luster after the U.S. men forgot to qualify for the World Cup. <laughs> but uh, I, was, I, was, I got back on Twitter just to rage tweet. About, I saw, uh, I saw that. Did. I was I like, know. Brad's literally I literally could angry. not go to bed. I was so pissed off last Brad's night. Brad's mad on the internet. Um, so... The the latest young talent that the U.S. is going to waste by not putting a ta- team around him, Christian yeah. Pulisic, yeah, nineteen years old, literally just turned nineteen. He is a he is it, people call him America's Lionel Messi. Yeah, I wouldn't go that far, but the dude is legitimately. Have you seen the stats? The most, Have you seen probably the most talented player the U.S. has ever had ever? The most promising prospect, promising talent. Anyway, so uh, what happened was a uh, boy, seven year old boy. Uh, donated his jersey that he had gotten from Christian Pulisic. It was signed, a signed Christian Pulisic jersey, which can be worth some money now because he's had success. He plays yeah. Yeah. in the German Bundesliga, which is one of the top leagues in the world. Bundes? Um, nope. No. Nope. Didn't nope. work. Nope. Uh, so the boy donated his jersey for Puerto Rico relief. He auctioned oh. it off. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, to donate the money uh, to, to Puerto Rico uh, relief. So... He ended up raising uh, $3,300. It sold for $3,300. He donated it all. And then uh, Christian Pulisic found out about it, gave him another signed jersey, and then donated money as well to the the foundation. Uh, Just really cool, man. Like, it's just just one of those things where, like, it's a seven-year-old kid. Yeah. Like, what? not a lot of seven-year-olds would have the ability, the idea of going... I've got this thing that can be worth some money. If I sell this, it might be able to help some people. Yeah. So good good on him. Uh, his name is uh where's this where's his name? Uh, is it um, Alex. Alex something. Uh nope. Junior Capo was his name. Hmm. Hey, your beard rubbing against the mic is uh is it? That is is audible. Yep. Sorry. Uh so anyway, cool story. Uh and uh fire the entire US soccer federation yeah. into the sun. Into the start sun. over. Yep. Completely. Never cared. I don't All right. care. So Neil Galati needs to be fired. There, yep. I said it. Pretty right. soccer fans. Um, Wyoming man. Uh, <laughs> Wyoming man. Wyoming man does whatever a Wyoming man does. Um, Wyoming man is accused raising cattle, riding horses. Accused. Wyoming man. Wyoming of man. Public intoxication. What else is there doing? Wyoming. I can't quit you, Enos. Uh, That's for back Mountain. Yeah. All right, go ahead. Um, I can't quit you, Michael. He allegedly told police uh, he traveled... Brokeback bastards. All right. (laughs) This is a really good story, and you're fucking it up. You know what? Go back and listen to the other episodes and how many stories I've said or how many things I've said that you have completely... Derailed every every episode. Literally every Gosh. (laughs) Yeah, go ahead, Brokeback. Um, Wyoming man accused of public intoxication, allegedly told police he traveled from the year 2048 (laughs) to warn mankind of an impending invasion by extraterrestrials. The sooner the better. Um, So uh, they issued... So he... Bryant Johnson is his name. um, Issued a grave warning to the Casper police. um, I'd be 71. I'll be long dead by then. Alien... (laughs) You're not making it even (laughs) near that far. He told officers, aliens are coming next year and we need to make sure we leave as fast as possible. He refused to speak to nurses and doctors. Instead, he insisted on meeting with the president. (laughs) That's so 
great. He's from a red state. He'd probably get an audience. Oh, probably <laughs> wouldn't. Um, his blood concentration. Yeah, we should nuke him. Blood alcohol concentration was 0.136. Wow. Whoa. That's a lot of alcohol. That yeah. is a lot of booze. Legal limits, 0.08, right? 0.08, yeah. yeah. Woo. So he's pretty Almost close double. to double. Yeah. Yep. Oh, man. That man tied it on. Yeah, uh, he tied a few on. Yeah. <laughs> McDonald's Happy Meals uh, came with a side of cocaine. So, <laughs> I heard about that. Yes. Uh, definitely not on the dollar menu, but uh, Bronx <laughs> Boy, McDonald's man, shift manager was uh, dishing up more than burgers and fries. He was busted offering a side of cocaine in Happy Meals. Hmm. Authorities caught uh, Frank Guerrero, 26, red-handed during a three-month undercover investigation dubbed Operation Off the Menu. <laughs> um, so, uh, yep. So it literally was so blatant, it was comical. Like, I don't understand people that do Like, you're not going to get caught. I know. I, yeah. I just... I don't. I just. I don't get it. I really don't. I mean, you're you're going to get caught and you're going to go to prison. Yeah. Yep. Like, what amount of money can be possibly worth? Here's the thing. That it took him three months, but they're saying it was he was blatantly doing it. Apparently, well, they uh, probably had to get substantial evidence to make that stick. I'm guessing. He's he sold six thousand two hundred fifty dollars worth of cocaine. That's not that much cocaine. I don't know how much cocaine is. Well, it's I'm guessing it's more than that. That's not a t- that's not that much cocaine. I haven't priced value, it probably. recently, but uh, I don't think you can. I don't think people <laughs> it's are. It's been just a few years a, since I've been on the street. I don't think people are dropping a thousand. It's like six transactions. That's that's a lot of transactions. I would imagine people aren't going to buy I don't know, six thousand. I'm thinking mm. coke is a lot. I don't think it's as cheap as like. I don't. I mean, it, I don't know. It's not as cheap as an actual Happy Meal. You know that, right? I, I hey, realize Siri, that. What's the street value of a, <laughs> yeah, a gram of Coke? What's the What's the fair market value of, <laughs> of some a kilo? <laughs> oh, thanks, Pablo Escobar. Uh, I heard it. I, I heard uh, about uh, Chris Farley. Why he died? Found a ton of crack in his pants. Mm. Mm. It's really great, buddy. I'm really, really glad you, uh, really glad you did that. Yeah, he's still <laughs> laughing. Yeah. <laughs> hold on, hold on. <coughs> All right. All right. <sighs> what is this? This is a Vic Wooten CD. This is early Chicago. Okay, move on. Okay. Um, all right. Nobody wants early Chicago. <laughs> Everyone wants Karate Kid Peter Cetera. That's what they want. <laughs> Man lived with corpses of his mom and his twin brother for a year. Oh. Police said. So his name, Norman Bates, uh, <laughs> boy, um, lived with the decaying bodies of his dead mother and twin brother for more than a year. <sighs> I um, bet that house smelled divine. Well, that's exactly how he got caught. Is um, <laughs> it tends to walk? They, they somebody smelled it and and called in their their response. Um, here's what I think is really bizarre. Wait, um, the living with dead corpses is not bizarre. <laughs> well, here's you know what thing. really grinds my gears though. <laughs> he well, he says, um, "I'm traumatized. What would you do?" Uh, I'm not some nutball. People think I am, but I'm not. I love them. Dude, you live with corpses. Um, Boy. 
Yeah, he eventually moved the body to the bathroom as it was, quote, in the way, unquote. Um, yeah, crazy. Boy. What, what I think is is bizarre is that one of these people had to die before the other one. Yeah. And the other person was just cool with it. Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah, that is a good point. I don't... I Yeah, Boy, I don't... Man, that's... Uh, hmm. So he's charged with interference of a dead body or a scene of a death, a misdemeanor, according to uh, Inside Edition. I forgot they were Man. Like, existed. Yeah, that's pretty. So gross. both died of natural causes. Richard in uh, July of 2015, and his mother Ooh. died a month later. <sighs> so the mom that's was cool with it. Wow. For a solid month. Well, was she well enough to so know that what she was may have been bedridden? I mean, if she died a month later, jeeps. she was probably bedridden. Yeah. I'm guessing. All right. Are we done yet? Yeah. Police uh, initially Michael, accused him of... Fin- no, this is oh, still the same story. Uh, of financial exploita- exploitation of a vulnerable adult, um, but apparently lacked evidence to support the charge and dropped it. Um, yeah. I don't even... That's weird. Yeah. That is a weird... That's Jeffrey Dahmer type shit right there. Is what but it's is. not like he killed him. No. He just still, watched he's him living die with... and lived with him. Every once in a while, one of these kinds of stories pops up, and I... You don't I just know, don't know if it's yeah. just part of grief that you're, you just literally lose your lose your brain your breaks. Shit. Like, your brain just breaks. Yeah. Like, is it just psychopath behavior, or is it literally just you're in... Yeah. You just, you just, your brain just, you just break. Like, your yeah. brain is just gone. In his mind, he's not a psychopath. He right. totally doesn't... Know, he totally I mean. thinks he's a normal guy, and he just loved him. He didn't want to lose him. Sad. Yeah, that's, it's sad. Really but it's, freaking man, sad. That's, yeah, that's... All right. All right, I'll save the other ones for their ha- Halloween related. There you go. So we're we're gonna we're gonna pause the Halloween ones. It's coming now. <laughs> yeah, the ghost story is coming. Yes, it is. Yeah, be prepared Couple to weeks. be completely underwhelmed. <clears throat> well, <laughs> screw you. All right, uh, further up, further in. Um, I'm just saying, people have built this. You no, you have built this thing up. <laughs> It's going to blow people's minds, Brad. No, I don't think it is. We started I, talking about this. You know when, we, you know when the idea came for this? When? Like episode, eight months Episode ago. 56, because I listened really? to it today with Andy Redwine. That was That's when one? I suggested do it in October. Oh, do okay. it at Halloween. Yeah. Well, now you know. That's been a long time. 30 episodes ago. Been a long time coming. Okay. Hit, just, yeah. All right. Uh, further up, further in. Gosh. Uh, we're going to, we're going to talk to Brandon Hatmaker. Yes. Yes. Brandon Hatmaker is an author, a biker, a humanitarian, a pastor, and a huge fan of the underdog. He is the founder and managing partner of the Legacy Collective, legacycollective.org, and, uh, the Legacy Investor Group, LLC, which focuses on partnering, pioneering, and funding sustainable solutions to systematic social issues. He co-stars... In the HGTV and DIY network series, My Big Family Renovation. And he has had various uh, guest appearances on other HGTV shows, such as Brother vs. Brother and The Tiny House Arrest. Brandon currently lives in Austin, Texas, and is married to author and speaker Jen Hatmaker. Um, be sure to check out his book, A Mile Wide, Trading a Shallow Religion for a Deeper Faith. 
This is a great conversation. Yes, it, pick, um, it really picks up steam about halfway. Through. Yes, it's. it's uh, I mean, it, it's great throughout. But right. Like, yeah. Yeah. But it really, it really gets rolling. There's and definitely a, a reason we wanted to have Brandon on. He's not exactly like us. I mean, yeah. he didn't tell any dick jokes, which is fine. Um, <laughs> that's fine. It's just one deficiency. That's fine. <laughs> and that's um, cool. No, that's cool. It, 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 it's a great conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, yeah, it's it's super awesome, and it's, it's what he's doing uh, in the realm of uh, Christendom is super important. Yes, uh, as as we as we make a slow, uh, yep. too slow, uh, shift in some of our, our our thinking. Yep. So, super pumped to have Brandon Hatmaker on. Um, I hope you enjoy the conversation. Um, let me hit the button. Uh, here we go. Brandon Hatmaker, <laughs> thank you so yes. much for coming on the show. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're super pumped to talk talk to you and kind of see what's going on in your in your world. <laughs> Always something, you know. Yeah. Always something, man. So, um. So we wanted to talk to you a little bit about your your book, A Mile Wide. Um, could you tell us a little bit about that? Maybe, maybe even talk about kind of who you are, um, what your story is, and then what compelled you yeah. to, to write the book. Yeah. Well, where do you begin with that? Um, <laughs> you know, I, <laughs> I grew up uh, with a, like a lot of us that I have uh, come in contact with lately in the, uh, in the church. Um, uh, specifically, I grew up in a Southern Baptist church and ended up going to a Christian university, uh, getting a, a Bible degree there and, and starting youth ministry right away and did about 10 years of youth ministry, then college ministry, and then associate pastor and climbed the corporate ladder and, you know, and did the mega <laughs> church thing. And about, uh, I guess eight or nine years ago now, uh, we stepped away from kind of your traditional, um, suburban mega church environment and uh started a a a church in austin texas that we kind of felt like you know if if uh no one else would do the church we wanted to do and so if we were ever going to find it we're probably gonna have to do it ourselves yeah so uh we just decided we'd start a church like we always dreamed about you know a church would look like and and uh so we started a little church and so the last eight or nine years, we have just been digging hard, man, to try and just look into scripture and really try and live it out. And, uh, with, with no, um, it will really no one holding our arms back or telling us what we can or cannot do. Just really like, what do we really believe this, how this is supposed to look in the life of a church and, and believers and, and, and just try and be that community. And so very, uh, oriented around community, very oriented around justice and just caring for other people. And it's been just super beautiful. And so over the handful of years, a few of my paradigms, um, were just kind of turned upside down to be honest with you. And so a mile wide is kind of an amalgamation of that conversation, um, where I've taken a handful of concepts uh, whether you talk about the gospel or identity or discipleship or idea of kingdom um, and how I kind of grew up with a myopic view of those things and how I've realized that they're incredibly nuanced and that discipleship happens in so many different ways and so many different places. And 
that truly all life is discipleship. And if we're to begin to really identify what happens to us in certain environments, uh, you really begin to see real life, real community, real, real life change, real hope, real joy, you know, all these things we've been searching for. And so really a mile wide, I, I write about those things. The first half of the book is I talk about the impacts of the gospel in us. And then the last half is the gospel through us as we uh, deal with mission and kingdom and justice and, and, and how we live out our life, uh, I guess you would say publicly. And so uh, it's kind of life lessons I've learned over the last eight years trying to lead a church uh, to be true to its calling. That's um, awesome. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. I, it, was, uh, it was fun to write. That's really cool. Um, so in your book, you say, um, I got a lot of questions about the book, so we're, we're, I want to <laughs> definitely want to dive deep into it. So uh, in the book, you say uh, that the gospel of Jesus is for all. His community was inclusive. His discipleship was holistic. His mission was eternal and his kingdom vast. Yeah. Um, so as a pastor of a local church and, and you know, w- we are former uh, church planners. Didn't go. Didn't go so well. We're, we're <laughs> yeah, no, sorry, no yeah. longer. <laughs> Hence the podcast. Yeah, Hence the podcast. Taking it to the no, to the masses hilarious. via podcast. Podcasts are really hey, just I'll failed tell you, church I'll planners. Tell you guys a, a brief story to derail you real quick. Yeah, you fine. When we first planted Austin New Church, we put our little you know little A frame signs out on the corner to point where we were having our services. Oh yeah, and, we had uh, a man and a woman drive up in a minivan, and they're wearing suits, and you know they're wearing church clothes. They're obviously going to church. Yeah. And the woman looks at me, putting out the sign. And I'm all excited, you know, first service and blah, blah, blah. And uh, she taps her husband on her shoulder, points at her sign. They start laughing together and, and gave me the thumbs up. And I could see her lips. She said, good luck. Uh. And, and, I, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, how many church plant signs have gone on this corner? You know? <laughs> That's uh, awesome. Anyways. Um, so so I guess, so given the the... Jesus being for all, uh, the community yeah, being inclusive, right, right. discipleship holistic, mission eternal, and the kingdom vast. Um, so as a pastor of a local church, um, how does that live and breathe for you? Oh, wow. it's a great question. I think it's very important. Um, I think as pastors, we often feel the pressure to find um, answers to everything. Like we feel the pressure to, yeah. to come to the body with the answers. Mm-hmm. And um, first of all, I think that didn't work because life is about the journey. And I know that sounds like a, a phrase or whatever, but uh, this generation wants to be involved in the process. Yeah. So yeah. when we come with the answer, that's why we're losing this generation anyways, in so many ways, you know, and I've learned that they don't even care if we do what they say, they just want to be a part of the process. And yeah. so we have this we have this pressure to always come with the answer. And so what we do is we take these really big, huge ideas about God and his kingdom. And we try to simplify them into this myopic viewpoints that we can understand and live out in our brain. And then we try and force people into those things. And then they end up falling short because they're not nuanced, like real people are, and like real life is, and like real community is, and like real justice is. And so, um, uh, you know, I think the biggest mistake we make is we try to take an infinite God and define his ways and define who he is in finite ways. And that's a disservice to our people. Yeah, and for sure. And so when, when, as leaders, when we begin to release that and start coming back with, wow, I just don't know fully. You know, what I do know about God is this, and that we get to explore this together. And that whatever it is, it's bigger and it's better than we can dream up. Let's pursue that. 
Um, if we could begin to bring back our, uh, this imagination and this dream of this God who spoke it, it was, it, it would just blow people's, their doors off. It would blow their minds. It would change their lives. And so that's kind of, I think that statement, I don't remember where it was in the book, but it, it's kind of encapsulates the idea that whatever we're thinking, if we think we are, our, if our religion has become a checklist or become these, these certain small things that we do that we could capture, then it's too small. Yeah, yep. And um, we need to start thinking bigger. We need to start dreaming bigger because everyone I run into says it's got to be bigger than this. There's got to be more to church. There's got to be more to God. There's got to be more to this faith life than this. And if I, when I read the scripture, I say, it is. It's way bigger. Let's yeah. talk about that. And so that's what I meant by that. Yeah, it's interesting you use the word release to because I know – as a youth pastor and then as a church planter, one of the hardest things, and I'm sure I've been working with senior pastors, I know this to be the case. One of the hardest things is to let people be, mm-hmm. you know, to, to sort of, to just point them in the right, in the, in the direction you think they need to go and then just let them do their thing. Um, yeah. Because what it does, it releases control to the Holy spirit. And that's a very, right. that's a very uh, intangible thing for, for, a lot of pastors who want something very tangible. You know, when you say the word release, it triggers a word in my brain, and that word is permission. Yeah. And and I think it starts with us giving ourselves permission to be vulnerable and be honest with mm-hmm. what we really have figured out, what we don't, and where we really struggle and we don't. And that permission then, when emulated on stage, is then given to your to your people. And we model, we set the culture from stage when we're teaching. Um, there's many other ways we do it, but we yeah. model um, whether or not we feel the permission to release, to let go. You know, you hear the let go, let God, whatever. Um, <laughs> get a, you want to get a good swift kick to the throat, tell someone let go and let God, let God. Um, but, I, but that's the word that makes me think, and I think it's the same thing that you're saying, is to yeah. release it, let it go. Yeah. You know, um, give yourself permission to be vulnerable, to be honest, to ask questions, to move forward together. I just think one day we'll stand before God and we'll say, hey, look at what I did for you, God. I did this and this. And he'll go, yeah, I never asked you to do that. You know, <laughs> and, and he'll he'll just go, yeah, it was all about how you treated each other along the journey. Yeah, exactly. You know, and so hopefully think, there's a freedom in release. Yeah, and I think a lot of pastors are just, they're not in places where they can do that. Where no, to, to, exactly do that right. to do that, they just, they get fired. Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think too that a lot of times um, in that pastoral setting, like you said, we have we have to pretend like we have the answers, and it it locks us down to where mm-hmm. um, I don't know about you, but there are things I'm still learning about God. I- yeah. I'm continually learning new things about how I feel about God and and who who God is. Um, right. And and so I think when you when you try and say that you've got the answer, you start to put God in a box and. Um, God's just doesn't fit in there. Well, you're you're um, you're bringing up the oh, someone mentioned the fear of being fired. It's a very real fear. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, we've all felt it. <laughs> not just not just being fired, but belonging uh-huh. and having a place and being on the inside and having being being safe. That's so important to us. And I don't yeah. I don't know if there's another environment where it is so obvious uh, or relevant than in our faith. Yeah. And, you know, just to belong that sense of tribe and that sense of belonging and that fear of being put on the outside. It's yeah. so real. And so, you know, I, I think, I don't know. I mean, we put ourselves in that place 
you know, we have the opportunity um, um, to say yes or to say no to a job at a certain church and our salaries and, and our budgets drive so many of our decisions. Um, When we started uh, our church in Austin, we really, uh, we started with the desire uh, to have a very simple model with staffing and budgets and things like that so that we were never in a position where, uh, you know, having to raise money Mm -hmm. drove a decision on how we were going to do something. Yeah, that's awesome. And, and so it's, it's also part of the, you know, we look at our gifting and our visions, our vision for the church. Uh, it's the reason why we've played different roles. And myself, I've played different roles in the life of the church because of my gifting. I'm more of an apostolic leader, a starter, a visionary. And so while I led the church as lead pastor for several years, you know, a couple of years ago, I stepped back and I'm, I'm an elder now. And I teach, you know, once or twice a month. But, you know, I have other guys who are playing that role. And not, so I haven't been on paid staff for years. Um, and that has changed the way I, it hasn't changed the way I led. We've always led in a certain way, but it's because we were never under um, that yoke of, am I going to get fired or yeah. are we going to be able to pay salaries? Or we always, we went into it knowing that we want to create something that's sustainable Yeah. where yeah. if we make really weird decisions, um, and really challenge people and make people feel uncomfortable that we, uh, will could still continue. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's what we, so we, we tried to do that with a church and, and, and no one showed up. But uh, one of the things we say, are, well, people showed up and then they're like, no, I'm good. Um, but uh, um, one of the things we say on this podcast is you, you can't fire us. Like you can right. stop listening. That's fine. Right. But right. we have the freedom to, to say what we really feel without the fear of, right. of really losing yeah. our jobs. I mean, people can stop listening. That's, I mean, if they want to do that, that's fine. But right. we, we've ended up find we ended up finding our tribe um, by being the most honest version of ourselves, and I think yeah. that that is more rich than what we could have found if we had tried to to play play by the rules. Yeah. yeah well, and think about. It. I mean, I think one of the things about the kingdom is that we all have different gifts and different callings. And for so long, it was just if you're called to ministry, you're going to pastor, and if you're a youth guy, you're going to be a singles guy, then a spiritual development guy, and then a lead pastor. Like, it's just, <laughs> like this is all you're going to do. This is your, yeah. this is your path. And I think maybe because of technology, I don't know, but I, I just think that we're beginning to really realize, and the more I work in the nonprofit world, um, you know, just the bigger my kingdom theology becomes. And I realize that our role to play and the encouragement and the way we're really ministering to people um, are really found outside of Sunday. And, you know, uh, our call as pastors is to make disciples, right? And so many times we mix that up. Instead of of really making disciples, we make converts or we build churches or we do whatever. And and we get our priorities off and we end up, you know, kind of becoming the false self. You're like, we're not our real selves and we're trying to to build this machine or build this thing that we're really not gifted for or maybe not even called for. And then you step out of that and you start finding out who you are, who God has created you to be and line that up with your experiences and the opportunities that are, are in front of you. And that's when I talk about I talk about our identity in the book and and your, you know, your life, your ministry, your relationships, whatever, just begin to flourish. I mean, I don't know how many people you would have needed to show up on a Sunday to consider your church successful. Mm-hmm. Um, but my guess is you could you could minister to that many people in 30 seconds on your podcast yeah. all across the world, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And, oh, yeah. and so not to demean the local church by any means, I think the local church church is significant. Um, and I think 
that all kinds of churches are significant in every city because I think that the church should actually mirror the city um, and it should be diverse and it should look differently and there should be different styles, different different um, personalities and things like that. But I think when we start thinking that the kingdom is just about church, it's when we miss it. Yeah. And there are certain things that just aren't going to happen on a Sunday morning at 10 a.m., you know, yeah. Yeah. conversations sure. you're never going to have, yep. people you're never going to speak to. So how do you um, how do you balance your you know work how do you balance work in the local church with sort of a bigger picture um, change and as it relates to like global justice issues and things like that yeah. how do you how do you sort of how do you think big picture while still staying grounded in like the local context? Well, the good thing is the local people they know you. That's the real you. You know, yeah. they're the people. Those people know who you really are. You know, you put this image out on Facebook or Instagram or whatever, and it's a, it's a, it's an example of you, but it's not. You know, there's no way you just get the good stuff, the stuff you we want you to see. <laughs> um, we always laughed about Jen. And I always laugh about it when we did our TV show with HGTV. It's like, oh, you guys are like the perfect couple. It's like you know how to be the perfect couple. Hire a four camera crew to follow you around with microphones. <laughs> that will make you so gracious and so patient and so loving. Talk about accountability, right? Well, yes, and I'd so, love to do three loads of laundry, dear. That oh, sounds yes, wonderful. Dear, because I love you so much, I will do that. Um, I mean, that's accountability, right? But but the real you, you know, you live. Your neighbors aren't our, our neighbors aren't impressed with us. You know, <laughs> I mean, our church, like, oh yeah, this is Jen Hatmaker. You know, yeah. they love us. You know, we're, we're in the grind with them, but they keep you grounded. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as the time of just living kind of publicly and out there, and that's kind of been our life, um, we've always designed our church to be a very simple model. Um, I, we really set our church up to fail, to be honest with you. It shouldn't have worked. And it, it's it, by many people's, you know, we have we range between four and six hundred people on a Sunday since the beginning. You know, we've launched a few churches out from our church and we've had multiple campuses and went to back to one and launched them out because we just couldn't do multi-site. It just wasn't scalable for us. But we've always just tried to keep a simple model. And um, we've probably suffered from that. We haven't been able to please people like we want to. But the people that we really feel like we're called to serve aren't really they don't really want all the other stuff. And so uh, we just really focus on community once a week. And through communities where we serve and where we connect and we do everything that we do. And then we gather for worship once a week. And so I've never been full time at our church. I've always been part time anyways. And so whether I was writing or speaking or something like that, I've always had time to do that. And then, um, you know, as things accelerated, you know, um, I was just fortunate. I went through about a year where I was really struggling with God. Am I holding this church back? Because I've always said I don't want to pastor a big church again. The church I came from was, you know, you know, three to four thousand people on a normal Sunday. Easter, we hit six thousand. I was just like, I don't want to I don't want to pastor a big church. And God, if that's wrong, I'm sorry. I just I feel like, for example, in our city, I, I think we've got some great mega churches like we've got the market cornered on mega churches. <laughs> what we need is another hundred healthy 300 person churches. Yeah. You know that that's anyways. Yeah, and so. Sure. Um, uh, hope I'm, did I get off task? No, you're, you're fine. Um, yeah. So, so, you know, I got to the space where I was, my gifting, I'm a starter and I'm an apostolic leader. I start getting restless, uh, when I get in something for too long and I start wondering, mm-hmm. okay, kind of feels like we plateaued as a church. Is this, is this my fault? Mm-hmm. 
And I spent about a year. I took a sabbatical for a couple months, and I was on part time, so I didn't like, get paid a full salary or whatever for all that time. But I, I do believe there are times when that's necessary. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I came, and I, I went on it, just really asking God. I said, okay, one of two things I feel is supposed to happen: either we're supposed to, either I'm supposed to resign, and we're supposed to hire a new pastor who is more of a shepherd pastoral guy who can pick up this church where it is, or am I supposed to stay? And maybe just hire other staff and move towards more of a team model. And uh, that's when we we moved to an elder-led model. And we went. I kind of demoted myself. I <laughs> came off any kind of salary at all. I, I was a volunteer teacher. And we went to an elder model where we had um, uh, the same amount of paid staff as volunteer lay leaders. And we lead. We still lead uh, with that elder model to this day. Hmm. And. Um, for me, that was that was huge because it was at the same time that I felt like God was giving uh, myself and giving Jen an opportunity uh, to do more outside of our local church. And so we started the Legacy Collective and we started doing, uh, continuing to write and continuing doing some other things. And so everybody asks, how do you balance everything? You really don't. Is there ever <laughs> a balance? You know, you're spinning plates. You just try and focus more on what you feel like God is telling you to at the time. And then every now and then you look at your family and go, oh, oh, my goodness, you know, we need to back up. And so we've just always tried to be faithful to what the spirit is telling us about our family, about our marriage, about our church, about our ministry and, and you know, just about our lives. And and we don't hold anything too tightly. So we'll let go of anything at any moment. And uh, if if something's out of whack, you know, if you got to let it go, you let it go. And, and you're just trying to honor God with what's left. Awesome. Um, in a mile wide, you talk about how you had been pretty conservative about the gospel and that you had spent, spent a lot of time uh, being a blessing to people who were already blessed. Mm-hmm. Can, you t- can you talk about your flight to Ethiopia and how your perspective of the gospel changed from there? Yeah, it was a huge journey for me. I think a lot of times evangelism is guilt-driven for, <laughs> for believers. Yeah. yeah. Um, we feel like, and then you end up, uh, I was on a staff one time where we had to witness to X amount of people by staff meeting on a Tuesday. And then we had to, so you find out yourself at the, at the, at the gas station, you know, trying to say something to someone real quick. So you go, okay, good. I did it. Whether it was, (laughs) yikes, you know, I'm, I'm not even, I'm not making this up. Um, and I think that sometimes, golly, man, we slip into that. We, we, I grew up in the environment where you, you only come to faith when you walk the aisle and accept Jesus, when you say yep. a certain prayer. Right. Yep. Yeah. And, um, but then you find out about people who are really amazing Christ followers who didn't receive Christ that way. Um, and, and you begin to just, you know, think about whether or not that was more about you and, and guilt or whether that was about you really wanting someone to find, you know, faith in Christ. And, and what that that really looks like, and so I don't know. I mean, my gospel was very small, but I thought it, you know, I, it was a real shock to me when I realized the sinner's prayer wasn't actually in the Bible, you know? <laughs> um, uh, and that it could be bigger than that. And and I started talking to pastors, pastors, asking them when they felt like they got saved versus when they felt like they began to be transformed, and how the gospel worked in their lives. And it was just it was just rocking my paradigm. Yeah. Um, and it just, um, it, it began to grow how I viewed, um, the gospel itself. Um, 
uh, not expanding it from who Christ was and sufficiency in Christ. I'm very, my, my view has never changed on Christ and Christ alone. Um, but my view on how Christ does it has, has grown. Mm-hmm. And so forgive me, I forgot your question as I started um, so talking. Can you but, talk a little bit about your flight to Ethiopia? Oh, the Ethiopia flight. Oh, yeah. So when we started our church, uh, our big indictment was um, we, we felt we weren't feeling it. That's so weird to say, but <laughs> did not feel. I mean, here we are seeing hundreds of people getting baptized, um, uh, thousands of people coming to church, you know, thousands of people in small groups and in, in Bible study taking 10 charter buses to youth camp. Wow. And you're leading it and you're feeling unfulfilled spiritually. Yeah. You feel dry, you feel empty. And um, Jen and I came to the point where we're like, gosh, we feel like we're going through the motions. What's missing? You know? And I started praying. Jen, Jen had a similar journey at the same time, but I just really started praying and asking God to reveal what was wrong, what was going on. And it, and it came from me when I realized that no matter what I did, I couldn't make people happy in the church. Like I was serving people. I was, I was laying my marriage on the altar of church ministry yep. and I could never do enough. Yeah. I could provide a, you know, the best sermon or every event and every Bible study for every demographic of every A and it wasn't enough. And it felt like the more we gave, the more was required. And we were in this terrible cycle of consumerism. Like we gave more, so they wanted more. And we were like feeding the beast and it was miserable. And I was praying one day, I was asking God, what's wrong with everyone else? Literally, I was like, God, what is wrong with everyone else? And God was like, well, what's wrong with you? I'm like, whoa, that's not what I asked. (laughs) That's that's not what I asked. I asked what's wrong with everyone else. And I I kid you not, and, and not audibly, obviously, but in one of the most audible ways, I heard God say to me, you're so busy on your church campus, you don't know your neighbor. You're so busy on your church campus serving the, the rich, you don't know the poor. You're so busy on your church campus serving the saved, you don't have any room in your life for those who don't know me. Hmm. And so I just, I remember thinking, wow, those are important, aren't they? The lost, the poor, and my neighbor. And I'm leading a church. I'm leading in a church. And this is a huge area of neglect in my life. And so I kind of moved into repenting and just acknowledging, yeah, God, this is a problem. So maybe I'm empty. Not be, not their fault, but maybe something's missing in my life. And that was the beginning of, of us leaving and started our church. And when we started our church, the first thing God said was serve the poor. And I found out years later he was tricking us that if you serve the poor, it changes everything. And it wasn't just about serving the poor, uh, but it was about the journey. It was about learning to see people and to hear people and to love people. And it was, it was, I, I found that that's where you find Jesus. Right. And so we're serving the poor. We're doing the best we can. We're blowing it. We're screwing up. You know, we're still wearing matching T-shirts to go down, and serve the homeless to let them know we're not homeless. Um, <laughs> we're doing all the wrong things, but with the right heart. And and I had a friend who always asked me. He kept asking me to go to Africa, and I had never. I'd gone on mission trips to Mexico to put a 70th layer of paint on an orphanage, but I had never. <laughs> <laughs> but I had never gone international, and he was asking me to go. And and, and this was a weird request for a couple reasons. Um, 
the main one was is because it wasn't a typical mission trip. This guy was uh, the president of an organization that did reforestation. So it plant, they planted trees. Nice. And so he had asked me to go, and I just thought, gosh, I mean, I want to serve the poor, but I'm not that liberal. You know, I'm not going <laughs> that far. And and I so I told him no for several months, and he finally tricked me into going. He invited me with a bunch of other – you know what it was? There were some influential people going. I wanted to be around them. I wanted to learn from them. So I was kind of going for the wrong reason. And um, and so I'm going. I'm sitting on the airplane, and I, we're on the tarmac, and I realize – I don't want to go about to fly to Ethiopia and I don't want to go. And I realized that I I'm feeling guilty. Like, like I have taken this too far. Like, you know, they always talk about the slippery slope, like, Oh, you start with serving the homeless. And then next thing, you know, you know, everyone's saved and Jesus isn't real and whatever. I'm like, God, have I gone too far? Am I, am I taking this too far that I'm going to go plant trees? And, and, and I said in a simple prayer, I said, I said, God, Will you show me the gospel in planting trees? If this is real, if this is important, will you show me the gospel in planting trees? And so during this prayer and during this time, we've taken off and we're in the air. And as soon as I say amen from that prayer, uh, someone taps me on my right shoulder. And I'm, I'm not kidding you, within five seconds. And I look to my right and there's an Ethiopian man. He's probably in his 30 and he has really good English. And he asks me, he looks at me and he says, why are you going to Ethiopia? And the funny thing is, is everyone was asking me before, like, why are you going to Ethiopia? And I would, I would literally make up an answer. I couldn't say I'm planting trees. I had to, I would say, oh, <laughs> community development, you know, justice ministry, I'm working with local <laughs> pastors, you know, I would, and which was kind of true because we would see some of them and things like that, but I just couldn't quite, I couldn't find the words. And he asked me the perfect question. He said, why are you going to Ethiopia? And I looked at him and I paused for a second and I just said, I'm going to plant trees. And he looked at me for a few seconds, and I heard his mom say next to him, she was an elderly woman. She was speaking to Amaric. She asked him something, and he said something back, and she started wailing, crying, wailing. And I'm like, bro, what did she say to you? You know, what, did, what just happened? And he goes, my mother asked you why you're going to Ethiopia. And I said, well, what did you tell her? And he said, I told her that you're going to plant trees. And I said, well, what is she saying? And he said, my mother said that she's been praying for 37 years that God would forgive them for stripping their land and send someone to plant trees. (laughs) And I turned to look at her and (laughs) my eyes start welling up and I turn to look at her and she slams her hand on top of my head and stands up in the middle of the airplane and starts praying in a mark at the top of her lungs for me. (laughs) And it was the most embarrassing slash amazing moment I've had forever. And, and that trip, man, I saw it. I saw for the first time, truly, I saw how uh, meeting people where they are at their greatest need, because there was an area in Ethiopia that was just devastated by deforestation. And because of that, there was the, the soil was no longer fertile. And so there was there was runoff from the rains and there was these erosion gorges that houses were being just taken up into. And the soil would no longer produce crop and the wildlife were leaving and the runoff was going into the lake. So it was ruining their fishing. So it was ruining their crops. It was ruining fishing. And this was a cashless society. And these people, all they had was their land and the government was making them leave because they were environmental refugees. And so this, this organization was coming in, they were planting trees and they were planting trees by creating jobs for the local villagers. 
And so I saw the whole hillside being healed physically, the economy being healed because they were providing jobs, people coming to faith because they were believers who were doing it, whole villages coming to understanding of the gospel and entire communities being renewed because people were planting trees. And it blew my mind. It blew my mind. And I just began to realize everyone has need. And one thing that Jesus did was he met people at that greatest need. Mm-hmm. He just met them there. Somehow he he stopped, he listened, and he met them there. And, um, you know, he healed them when they needed healed. He gave them food when they needed food. They gave them an encouraging word when he needed an encouraging word. And somehow out of that, it led to the gospel. Yeah. Yeah. I read a book years ago that somebody gave me like you got to read this about missions and the guy had in there said he, he had a chapter in the book and this is like a really well-known mission book yeah i know the book. So, yeah. there's like eighty-seven thousand copies yeah. at, the, at the user uh, yeah. bookstore and he said town. uh a bowl of rice is no substitute for the gospel and his point was it doesn't do any good to feed your feed people if they're going to go to hell. Like, in other words, don't give anybody a bowl of rice until you share the gospel. Yeah. And I, I was still fairly conservative. I remember sitting in my office, I was a youth pastor and going, mm. Hey asshole, the bowl of rice <laughs> is the gospel. Right. Like right. that's the gospel. That's, that's kind of what you're talking yeah. about. The trees are the gospel. Yeah. Like, well, I have a friend who does an amazing ministry with orphanages and works with the government in India. And she said when she first came there, the profound thing for her was she realized that anyone there will accept your Christ if that means you're going to feed them. Yep. yep. Yeah. And so tell me how authentic or genuine that would be anyways. Right. You know, I saw a horrible meme a long time ago. It was a horrible meme of this starving person standing there with a missionary handing them a Bible. And the starving person said, thank you. This looks delicious. You know, Um, terrible. Can we just edit that part out? Uh, oh, gosh. But I'm serious. I mean, it's horrible, but it's like, oh, my gosh. There's a lot you of know? truth in that. Yeah. That's it. You know what? Here's the deal. If you're going to fly in, fly out, and that's all you're going to do, and you're going to feel good about yourself, whatever. But that's the problem with – that's why with Legacy Collective, we work with indigenous leaders. We work with people on the ground. We just believe in, in relationship and long-term stuff. You don't just fly in and fly out. That's why you don't see me on the street corner downtown you know, doing whatever, you just, you got to earn the right to be heard. And, um, if we would just trust the spirit's work and trust, you know, how Jesus told us to live, the opportunities will come and they will be life changing. Right. Yeah. And then we won't leave as many people in the ditches along the way. And I, I think there's a moment, you know, the spirit prompts you to share a word. You better share a word. We need to be obedient to that, but we need to make sure we're not doing it just for us. Yeah. We need to make sure we're not doing it to please our guilty conscience. And um, we need to do some soul searching and give ourselves permission to know that the gospel is it's bigger than just a sinner's prayer. You know, yeah. it's it's holistic. It works. It's working pre-conversion. It's working during and after. And every opportunity is a discipleship moment. Um, and the gospel is just all over that. Awesome. Can you can you tell us a little bit about the Legacy Collective? We're gonna ask that later about yeah, that sure. later, but but we keep talking about it. And I I want to I want our listeners to know about it. Yeah. So Legacy Collective is essentially a foundation that Jen and I started, in which um, you know we we've always our our prayer has always been God may we steward what you give us. That's it. You know may we handle well what you provide. We're not trying to get more 
followers or in fact Jen Hatmaker has tried zero to be famous like you've never seen anyone resist trying to get famous <laughs> more than my wife um, and that's part of her charm um, but, but, what, but what I do love about her and what we've always committed to is we just want to steward what we have and what we've been given and so we found ourselves in a position where we had a pretty good following a pretty good platform and we were always being asked to support different things. Um, and so we would. We'd go on this trip to Haiti or this trip to Ethiopia or this thing or this cause. And we've, we were constantly investing ourselves and our influence into these different things that were worthwhile. But we would do it one time and then we would start over with another tribe of people. And then we would do something and we'd do it one time and we'd start over with another cause or another tribe of people. And we just... Um, I had an idea for a while, and then my friend, Mike Rush at Pure Charity, came up with the technology to create what we call, what he calls giving circles, in which we, we, we were just asking the question, what if we could just get all of our people who, not to get more people, but just the ones who are already asking us, hey, how, what are you guys doing this year? Or, you know, how can we do good? How can we invest a bit in it? Um, we just decided to start this, this, this tribe where everyone would... Um, maybe give 10 bucks a month to a, instead of giving, committing to something and trying to raise 10 bucks a month, everybody give 10 bucks a month, or we have different levels, 10, 10 bucks, hundred bucks and $250 a month where people just give to a fund that then once a quarter, all of our investors nominate nonprofits that we give to, and then we vote and we give grants. Okay. And so our focus, we just said, hey, this is what we want to do. And we want to focus not just on recovery or rescue, but we want to focus on finding those nonprofits that are really doing great work where they have local leaders, where they are focusing on breaking cycles. So they are dealing with systemic issues, with sustain, trying to find sustainable solutions, long-term solutions to systemic issues. So they're going to be about prevention. So it's orphan prevention, family empowerment. It's right. going to be about uh, or uh, uh, poverty reduction. It's about education, all the things on the front end that prevent all the issues that we deal with. And so we just laid it out there one day and said, hey, if we did this, any of you guys want to be a part of that? And within the first two weeks, we had 1,200 investors. Wow, that's awesome. And so, yeah, and so in the last two years, we have been able to fund 37 initiatives between about 20 and $125,000. And um, it's just been amazing. It's just been freaking amazing that to be a awesome. part of it. Um, before we forget, uh, where can people go to find out more information or to join that that group? Yeah, LegacyCollective.org is the website. Um, okay. Right now, we're focused a lot on all, some of the natural disasters. Yeah. Uh, that are going on. How to bring long term uh, solutions to some of the issues that are going on there. Um, LegacyCollective.org, and it'll all the information on there is how to join. And it's just a foundation. It's set up as a donor advised fund, and and our partners manage the fund. We we're 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 about to open up a new round of of uh, nominations in the next week. So it's a great time to join. Uh, if you know of a nonprofit that's doing great work, especially people who have these new ideas that are like, man, this is pioneering. If this person could get some funding, this would yeah. change something. This yeah. would. This would be a domino that would fall, that would solve something significant. We want to find those people and we want to give them the resources, especially if they have a tipping point project, to, to go and make it happen and see if we can make some change in the world. And so that's really what I'm doing full time right now outside of teaching at ANC and helping lead 
uh, at our church um, as an elder, um, and we're loving it. I mean, it's just been it's been so amazing and so fulfilling, and we're seeing the gospel break through in so many different ways. That's awesome. That is fantastic. I love yeah, that. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. yeah, thanks. So you're saying you're doing more than just like hurling paper towels at people when you <laughs> Oh, my <laughs> gosh. Oh, my gosh, bro. Don't even <laughs> I see what you're doing there. I'm not going to bite. It's a trap, Brandon. It's a trap. Run. Run. You know what? We've all done it. We've all done yeah. that. I'm telling you, if someone's listening here, and when you go on a mission trip, you wear matching T-shirts, you please do. stop. Yeah. All you're yeah. saying. I, I did it. We did yep. it. Yep. I know. We all have. Yep. All we're saying is I'm not you. Yep. yep. We're dividing the line. If you're serving the homeless from behind a table, move the table and sit down with them. Yeah, yeah, You know, there's just a way to serve. And someone asked me one time, how do you know if you're serving right? How do you know if you're really engaging justice? Because it's so hard. It's so difficult. We've served so well for a year only to see it just fall on its face. How do you know if you're serving right? And here's, here's the answer that I found that I think is universal. If what you're doing is bringing dignity to that person, yes. then you're yep. doing it right. Yep. I don't care if it's solving anything for them long term, if it's temporary or if it's if you're bringing dignity to that person, that's what Christ did to us. He leveled the playing field and he gave us the right to be called children of God. He brought us dignity before God. He, can't, he did not count our sins against us. He took them away. And when we go out and we, man, we talk down to people, we serve down to people, whatever, bring dignity to that person. Yeah. Whatever you do, bring dignity to them. And I guarantee you what you're doing will be right, at least for that moment. Yeah, that's good advice. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so one of the cool things we've heard about your church is the Easter service under the bridge yeah. in Austin. Yeah. Uh, could you talk us talk to us a little bit about uh, that service and how it got started? Sure. Yeah. Uh, so we've always we've always tried to answer the question, you know, how do we serve the poor, or serve those well? And when we were going to launch our service, uh, man, so many years ago, we were going to launch on an Easter, and I just felt so convicted. I was like, why are we going to launch with a big service on Easter? We, we want our DNA to be about serving. And so on that Easter... Attendance immediately goes down week two. Right. Oh, I know. We, we saw that too. Um, so we just decided on Easter, you know what? Let's do a food drive on Easter instead of start a service. And so that's how we started. It was kind of symbolic that we were going to try and do things differently, right? And so the next Easter came around and we were planning our service. And it was the first time where we're thinking, gosh, you know, this will be a high attendance Sunday. Do we want to, do we need to add a service or two? What do we need to do to make sure there's room in the kids ministry and the parking for all the people who are going to just show up today? And I remember sitting around the staff, our staff table in that meeting, just feeling like, and I think I said, it. I said, why don't we just, why don't we just cancel it? Let's just not do Easter church. It said, let's just go down and feed the homeless. And everyone around the table was like, yes, let's do that. Now, initially it was because they didn't want to have to work harder. Uh, <laughs> that, that has but, done, that has motivated me for more projects than I can. Right. Count. Right. And how it, how dare I, you get rid of church and be the church? How dare on you? On Easter, right? Right. Well, yeah. I, you know, our mission for me, I was just thinking about how do we always, how do we communicate differently? How do we do something differently and communicate the same message, but let's do it differently because there's so many great churches doing the same thing, similar things. How do we become a church that's doing something different that someone else might want to be a part of and, and be good news in different ways. And so um, our church actually started 
downtown Austin with a, a small grill and some hamburger patties, just hanging out on a Sunday night, grilling burgers, having a meal with the homeless. So once a week, uh, one, on one Sunday, we do that. One Sunday, we'd gather for a Bible study. And we did that for about four months before we even launched a service. And so we, we decided on that day on Easter, we were instead of having a service, we were just going to go downtown. And we were going to go to the same place, buy more burgers, more whatever. And we every fifth Sunday, we do it anyways. And um, we just decided to do that. And what was interesting is on that Sunday, we had more visitors on that Sunday than we had any other Sunday of the year. Um, the spirit was so thick. It was so amazing. Um, uh, two out of the three local news stations showed up. To And it's it, it so funny. The word picture is like, oh, this is really good news. Like, if two out of the three news stations wants to show up because you're doing something so different that it's literally good news, maybe we ought to think about, maybe this is something we should be doing more often. Not for the notoriety, but because it raised some eyebrows, you know. Right. And so every every Easter, and we do it other times and things like that, but every Easter we've just decided, you know, it's kind of a tradition for us now. We just, yeah. instead of wrestle with, um, you know, just the crowds and the child care issues and everything else, we always do an Easter girl out under the, under the overpass in downtown Austin. It's become a huge thing now where we give away thousands of burgers, but um, we expanded it a couple of years ago. When we talked to some of our homeless friends and we just asked them what your greatest need is. And they, they always said, you know what, it's it's not necessarily food or shelter. It, for us, it's shoes and not oh, just yeah. used shoes, but new shoes. Good stuff, because most churches give us their leftover crap. Right. Yeah. And, it's already um, got a hole in it. Right. And yeah. especially boots. If you give us steel toe boots, because then we could work. We could do day labor jobs with different companies and yeah. things. And so we just decided we were going to go out. We put it on uh, on Facebook and all our social media. And our church went out and bought. And we we give away at least a 1,000 pair of Damn. brand new tennis shoes and work boots to the homeless community uh, every Easter. Um, and we serve them a hot meal and just hang out. And our, our family sponsor the tables. And they decorate the tables and sit with them. And have games or different things they do to get to know people. And we always see many of the same people. So there's people, you know, they're from the homeless community that we've known for years and years that we yeah. see, you know, every month we go down there. Um, and so it's like a big family reunion each time. And uh, I, I think anything that kind of blows your paradigm. Mm -hmm. um, and what's, it's really funny is our people, they get really excited about inviting a neighbor who's far from Christ to something like this. But they're much more hesitant to invite them to a Sunday morning worship right. service. Yeah. And yeah. so you got to listen to those things. You got to step back and go, OK, why is that? And let's let's learn from that. And, um, and, you know, it was part of us shifting. We always serve. We serve two times a month with each of our small groups. Anyways, we call it Love Your Neighbor, Serve Your City, where we we serve locally once and serve in our city once with our community groups. And we've always told people, listen, don't invite people to the your neighbor to your prayer service, invite them to serve with you. Yeah. Cause afterwards you go out to dinner with your families and you have a meal. And I think people are, you know, when we hang out with them, they're, they're getting a glimpse of what the gospel is supposed to look like and, and what discipleship, what it means to be a Christ follower looks like. And if all it, all they think it looks like is going to church, that's what they live when they become a believer. Yeah. But if the gospel they receive is serving the homeless and living in community and having meals with your family afterwards and, and then uh, going to church on Sunday is just a part of it. Then it's amazing. Those are the people that live out the gospel when they come to faith. And it's we're having to retrain all the lifetime Christians. It's the new believers that get it. Yeah, absolutely.
Um, so several of our, our listeners have uh, been eager to hear you talk about um, adoption and how yeah. that has enriched and informed your family life. Uh, wow. So many, so many things to talk about with adoption. It's been amazing. You know, adoption is a unique thing that um, I, I think that God orchestrates that it's not something you go do if you don't know you're, you're supposed to. It, it is incredibly nuanced, incredibly difficult, incredibly taxing, but um, incredibly rewarding as well. Our adoption story is unique in that we adopted older kids who were both um, loved by their moms when they were younger. And so um, when it comes to, you know, attachment issues and things like that, um, we didn't have to go. Well, it was so incredibly, there's so much, you know, adoption is birthed through so much pain. Yeah. You know, it's so hard, um, but it opened our eyes to so many things and it has enriched our lives in so many ways. And we've learned more than anyone else. I, I promise you that. But we've just been so blessed to have our family expanded. We've adopted two, two kiddos from Ethiopia. And uh, I've actually, you know, it was interesting, uh, a trip I took a couple of years ago to Ethiopia the night before I left. I had a dream. And in the dream, my son said, thank you for helping me, but what have you done for my mom? And I woke up wow. in a cold sweat hmm. going, oh my gosh. And I was leaving the next day and I had determined I was going to find her and I was going to see what she was doing and what was going on and how we could serve her. And make a long story short, it was just a godsend that we located her, found her in a position where she was being, she was as vulnerable as she ever was back on the streets within a week. Hmm. And, um, Fast forward the, st the story, we were able to work with her um, and a new ministry. We started there through Legacy Collective and training her to live out a vision. She had to start a tea and coffee shop that has just been flourishing. Hmm. And wow. last summer, last summer, I bought my son, Ben, back to Ethiopia. He's uh, 14, brought him back to see his mom first time oh, wow. and to see her running her own business, having her own house, remarried. He has a little brother watching her just walk with her chin held high and just doing so amazing. It was just so beautiful. Yeah, um, and awesome. so the story of adoption in, in, in my mind is, you know, has just changed so much. Um, and it's also caused us to understand the pain that happens, you know, how adoption is birthed without a pain. You know, we've, we went into it very ignorant. We were, we were very ignorant. We just wanted to do good. We felt like we were supposed to adopt and we did. And I think God honors that in many ways. But, you know, we've really invested our time and our energies now into orphan prevention mm -hmm. and family empowerment um, and saying like what we did with Ben's, with Ben's mom. I mean, he never should have been an orphan. If we would have found her before she, you know, that should have never happened. And so we're huge advocates now. One, for reunification, for in-country adoption. It's bad enough you lose your family, but to lose your culture yeah. right, is tough. Wow. I pause there because I need to cough so you can edit it out. No, it's <laughs> fine. No, it's fine. <clears throat> Michael, Michael spends half the podcast coughing, so it's fine. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I'm sorry. It's all right. Let me pick up there. Um, uh, we spend a lot of our time now just really focusing on you know, uh, in-country adoption, which is unheard of in Ethiopia, but it's really, it's beginning to grow. 
um, because it's so difficult for, you know, a kid to use, lose his family and then lose his culture. It's horrifying. I talked to my kid about what was it like to come to, because I've never seen a white person before I saw you guys. Wow. He said, uh, and then, how, you know, imagine, how old was he? He was seven. Okay. Now imagine that you've never seen a white person and all of a sudden now these two white people are your parents speaking another language <laughs> and they take you on an airplane to another country. Wow. And you know what I'm saying? Yeah. 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 It's yeah. unreal. Could you imagine how tra- traumatic that is? No. Just can't even, can't, if, imagine it being your kids. Right. Can't fathom. Yeah. Can't no. imagine it. Can't imagine it. And wow. so I think we've grown a lot and we've learned a lot about orphan care and adoption over the last several years. And, uh, but it has been so beautiful in our own family. It's, it's, it's been hard. Everyone has, you know, has been changed over in different ways, but, uh, it's been, it's been beautiful. Well, and, and we've really been, we've been blessed with two amazing, amazing kiddos. <clears throat> that's fantastic. Yeah, that's great. I love it. So, uh, one more question here and then we're going to, we're, we're going to let you go cause we're running out of time here. Um, so last year, you and you and Jen came out as LGBT affirming. Um, and what we, we did? <laughs> I heard it on that, the internet. That was the rumor on Twitter. Um, so first of all, we just want to thank you for that because we know we know how hard that is to do. We 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 essentially we did it, we did it as a church and it torpedoed our church. Basically, we yeah, it took a while, but it eventually torpedoed it. Um, right. And we just can you just talk a little bit about the journey to getting there because we've. We did a whole episode on our journeys to getting there, and it took us a long time. And yeah, uh, just to yeah. how you got to that place of being affirming. Wow. Well, first of all, I think everybody has their different has a different journey. Yeah. Um, ours started honestly on this journey to see injustice in the world, and God began to open our eyes to see pain. Yeah. And and whenever you see suffering in the world. Um, it should trigger something in your spirit, in my opinion. Yeah. Yep. And well, I, I mentioned earlier that I think Jesus tricked us a little bit. He told us to serve the poor, and what he did was just change our world. <laughs> and but he taught us to see people differently. Yeah. And um, it first started, you know, with maybe orphans around the world, and then all of a sudden we saw it in our neighbors and in our own family and in ourselves. And and you just start looking around your own city, and you see people who are in pain and. Those who are in the LGBTQ community, it didn't, I couldn't reconcile the pain that I saw at the hands of the church yeah. Yeah. with my spirit. And, you know, we began to press into that just to make sense of it. Maybe, maybe to be more sympathetic, maybe to just be more understanding, um, to honor God more. And because there's something wrong. I don't care where you where you land on this, you got to admit there's something wrong. Yeah. And we began to look at the impact of it. See, I believe in a gospel that restores things. I believe in a gospel that saves people, redeems them, makes them new. But when we have applied historically the gospel to the LGBTQ community and the church, the result has not been redemption. No. It's been pain. Yeah. It's been suffering. Yeah. It's been teen suicide. Mm-hmm. It's been divided churches and split families. The fruit is not there. So either we're wrong about how we're applying it um, or we're just wrong. <laughs> and so, you know, we kind of just pressed into that. And, and I learned about a thing called bias confirmation. 
really early <laughs> in this journey. Yeah. And, you know, bias confirmation, for those who don't know, is when, when you are born with a, a viewpoint or are, are nurtured into a certain viewpoint, when you could hear nine points of evidence against that viewpoint, but it all sounds ridiculous to you and you just cannot make it just makes total sense to you still then and you can't hear reasoning, then then you're there's something going on there inside of you. You're incapable of hearing it, yeah, hearing, yeah. hearing it reasonably. And we did not go in to try and prove a point because we did. We actually were, were not affirming at the time we were fighting for inclusion. We didn't know where the line was. God, how do we honor you? Right. We know that Jesus sets a big table and that that how do we include the LGBTQ community in the church? How do we do that, God? Because I don't think we've done it well. So we didn't go out searching to be affirming. We went out just to be loving. Mm, yeah. And uh, we were really confronted with a lot of things. And the pain that we saw was just heartbreaking. Yep. yep. Yeah. And we had to really admit that what we were doing that wasn't working. And it just felt like if we were right, then the church should just be lined with converted, fixed people. And it's just not. Yeah. It's just not working. And, you know, Jen and I went on a pretty long journey. And yeah. what I've learned is that you can't change anyone's mind on this. Nope. I could I could <laughs> sit down and share every verse and every reason why, and it won't change your mind. Absolutely. Um, everyone comes to it with different ways. And I think that's the mystery of the gospel. I think that. I think that a lot of people, they're, they're changed through different ways, whether it's through an experience or whether it's a direct scripture or whether it's through being loved or whether it's through something supernatural. It's amazing how God brings us to very similar truths through very different paths. Um, and so everybody's journey is different. Mine was more Bible uh, intensive. Jen's was more relational and just watching people and, and you know, evaluating fruit. Um because we believe there's a real fruit of the gospel, a fruit of the spirit that's real. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and we just started pressing into it and talking to people and praying and reading and trying. We went, we, we, we begged God to, we wanted to be, we wanted to find the truth. We didn't want to lead people anywhere wrong. And so we just begged him, will you just show us the truth? We don't, we don't want to be right. We want you to be right. We want to follow you. And, you know, we, we studied for about a year, every book we could read, every yeah. scripture we could read, yeah. both sides. And um, just slowly it started. The, I think for me, the biggest thing was, wow, the crime doesn't mit, fit the bill here. You know, like <laughs> for the six verses that might be interpreted this way. Wow. We've made this pretty dang central. Yep. Yeah. So first I was just like, wow, maybe. Maybe we need to lighten up a little bit, you know, and and uh, but to be honest with you, man, it took about a year of studying with Jen. I got together with our elders and I just told our elders, I said, we have to answer this. Yeah. yeah. Within the next few years, every church in America is going to have to answer this question. Absolutely. And so can we not be negligent of of being ignorant and not doing the hard work? And I'm going to tell you this right now to this day. Nine out of ten evangelicals I run into that that are non-affirming, they do not know why. Yep. They can't yeah. quote a scripture. They can't tell you where it's from. They just—it's something they've inherited, and yeah. that's okay to inherit something. But can we just can we just step back and evaluate it and just be honest at how people how we're treating people? Right. And so we went on this long journey with our elders, um, with individually with me and Jan, and and just. 
we both came to it for different reasons, but we just felt like we both came to the place. It's like, man, when you just measure the fruit and we really evaluate this, maybe we're wrong. And for me, it was never really, oh, here's the first that proves it's okay. <laughs> yeah. Because it doesn't, that doesn't exist. Right. Um, and I'm telling you right now, I could pick apart every scripture. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I've never studied Greco-Roman history more in my life. I've read textbooks on, on Gaius and all the Roman culture and everything Paul was writing about back in, you know, I'm telling you, you've done the homework. Um, um, but more than anything, I come to that, those scriptures and I actually, you know what? I, f- I found a blog. Somebody wrote, he was a guy who was a, a pastor in Acts 29 a reform mm. pastor, and he was kind of critiquing mine and Jen's recent shift. Neat. And he landed on being non-affirming still, but his posture was so different. It was so gracious, and I was really thankful for it. Hmm. And at one point he said this. He said, you know what? As I study all these scriptures, I, I would have to admit that it's possible it's not saying what we think it's saying. But because of all the other evidence there, I choose to believe that it is. And I just step back and go, man, for you just to say, it's possible it's not saying what we thought it was, yeah. is huge. Yeah. Yeah. Here's why. You better know before you condemn someone to hell and you condemn them to a life outside of the church. You better know 100% before you judge someone. Because one thing we know about Scripture is it says, judge not, lest you be judged. Right. And it says that you will be held accountable to the same thing in which you judge someone else. And so the one thing we know is if we don't know, it ain't our place. Yeah. And so, you know, you start moving into those spaces. And, and my heart as a pastor and my our love for the church makes us really want to really just sit there and say, church, can we just look at this and be more gracious? But what I've learned when you deal with issues of justice is there's, especially as a pastor or someone who's been in ministry, is there's a point in which you exist to lead that church or you exist to lead what you're building and protect what you've built. And there's a point when God says, I no longer want you to fight for that. And instead, I want you to change sides and fight for the other person. And there was just this point in our lives where we felt like God was saying, hey, Brandon and Jen, I want you to fight for the, for those on the other side. Yeah. Um, um, you know, let's, let's take up this banner. Let's, yeah. um, you know, and, and we came, we came to the place supernaturally the very same week, Jen and I both came to each other and said, I think, <laughs> I think we were wrong. And so then we dedicated another year to praying. And this was my prayer. God, if we're wrong, please derail us. Cause I do not, want to lead people wrong. The last thing we want to do is spend our whole life dedicated to God's word in the church and lead people away from truth. Yeah. Yeah. And over that time period, we probably had 25 supernatural experiences, 100% which were affirming and zero in which I felt the spirit saying that's wrong. Hmm. Zero. It was so affirming. And, and, you know, we just went on that space because we had committed to so many different organizations and publishers and speaking um, platforms and conferences that 
we wanted to treat the timing of that well. We wanted to honor people. We didn't want to put them in a bad position. Right. So yeah. we were trying to be faithful with the timing. We wanted to let our church know where we were personally because we were there personally before our elders had even found a position. Yeah. And so when we went public, everyone mm-hmm. assumed our church was fully affirming. It wasn't at the time. I mean, we mm-hmm. had actually landed on a fully inclusive decision as elders who were in disagreement. So I was really proud of them for yeah, that. Right. Um, and you know that we've been going for nearly a year now, and the journey there has been interesting. But um, man, it's hard. It's a really difficult thing to watch the church. Um, someone said to me not long ago that the church. So interesting that the church is the only organization that lines up as firing squad in a circle. Yeah. Um, yep. Boy. That's... And I think we we need to look at that. <laughs> yeah. <you know>? yeah. <laughs> So my hope, my hope, one, we just want to wait for us. It's a justice issue. And I, I could, believe it or not, talk about it all day. I, I feel <laughs> like for me, I just think the, uh, the what's beautiful is God's dream for marriage of two people to give of themselves to one another increasingly for life. There's yeah. a power in that. Yeah. Yep. That I almost wonder, even if you're non-affirming, wouldn't you want that for someone? Right. I know. You know, wouldn't that be the best environment for them to at least discover God if you think they're in sin? Um, I don't know. Uh, You know, there's a lot of secondary conversations that, you know, branch off out of this. But my biggest thing is, can we just start start acting like these are people and not an issue? Yes. Can we stop using using the word homosexual as a noun to describe people? Can we... Can we stop dehumanizing the conversation? Can we stop writing Nashville statements that pretend like real people <laughs> oh, are hearing that and that it's not hurting them to the core? Yeah. Can we do it a different way? Can we, we could, here's the deal. We can do this better. We can, it's not just an agree to disagree. I understand that. But can we still extend dignity to one another? Yeah. Yeah. Um, can we recognize those who are out there that are just their whole platform is clickbait and they're riling you up and we're, we're taking the bait. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I looked at the Nashville statement and the first statement only had like a hundred likes or retweets. It wasn't until everybody jumped on that it went berserko. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's like, we are just spiraling into something and the whole world is watching. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just embarrassing. Yeah, and it it's unfaithful to the posture of Christ. And so we've got to figure out how to tell a better story. And we've got to love people better. And we've got to trust the gospel more um, and figure out a way to move forward in a way that brings dignity. And that recognizes that Jesus sets a big table. He led us in, didn't he? Yeah. My goodness. Who are we to say? Yeah. You know, yeah. who are we? Who are we? My gosh. Yeah. Oh, man, that was awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much. And really, I mean, genuinely, we really do thank you for coming on the show and talking about that. Um, It it is so um, hard for for, you know, some of our listeners to hear about the church um, in, in, in a sense that, um, the church can be so condemning of so many things. Um, and to have somebody out of that, outside of that world who you wouldn't expect, honestly, you wouldn't expect that, that you all would be affirming, uh, to come out and and say that. I I think, um, it's so groundbreaking and and I want to thank you for being brave and courageous, uh, for doing that. 
Well, thank you. I, I would just say back to those people that there's always hope for the church, you know, and the church is filled with people trying to do their best to represent God. Um, and there's always hope for the church and we are the church. And I think our, our view of what the church is needs to expand. It's bigger than just a one hour time slot on Sunday morning. Yeah. And as we redefine what that means, we're going to see that there's a lot more people who um, are hanging on, who are finding faith, who are growing, that the church is rising in different ways. And um, hold on to hope. Don't be isolated. Don't just give up on God because somebody who tried to represent God messed it up in your mind. Um, Just keep pressing and just know, just know that there's hope and that the God I know loves us deeply. And there's, you know, let's just let's just do our best to steward that love and bring dignity to one another and respect one another. And um, one day when we stand before God, you know, I just the thing that blows my mind is we're always trying to define God with, you know, with this finite mind and so many journeys we have that we don't know the answers to so many things, whether it's predestination, Arminianism versus Calvinism or or the end times or this or whatever. We spent so much time trying to figure out so many different things. And I'm just convinced that God could let us know in a heartbeat if he wanted to, but I just think he wants us to search. And I think the real test is how we treat each other along the way. Yeah. And that will be, that will be the test. That's the journey. Everyone, when we talk about fruit, that's the measuring stick. All the things from love and patience and gentleness and kindness, they're all about how we treat each other. They're not about how smart we are or how religious <laughs> we are or how squared away we are. It's how we, how we treat one another. Yeah. And until we figure out who we are in Christ and, and we decide that, that other people really matter to him, you know, we're never going to change. And so hang in there. Keep pressing. There's hope. Awesome. There's Thank a you. group of people out there who, who, who think like you and, you know, keep searching. You'll find them. Awesome. Thank you so much, man. Yeah, I appreciate it. Uh, where can people find you online? Oh, I don't know. Um, Brandon Hatmaker. <laughs> my tag, I think on Twitter, Instagram, everything's Brandon Hatmaker. I have a Facebook page and my, my website's brandonhatmaker.com. Um, uh, social media is the most active, but legacycollective.org is where we do most of our work and where I'm most most involved right now and uh, outside of the church and and um, we'll always be there somewhere lurking in the shadows. <laughs> <laughs> you uh, you have a new Legacy Collective donor, so I just want to awesome man. <laughs> well, here's the fun thing: people don't know this. For every year, we have a Legacy Collective uh, investor party in our backyard. Nice. And so we invite everyone to our house and we have speakers and a band and a big party. It's catered. It's just a, one of the best times of the year. And it really is a tribe of people who are like minded, you know, and we get together and we do things. And it's just really cool to see giving through community, not yeah. just giving, you know, and and having a common purpose and a common uh, spirit, common ethos has been beautiful. So glad to have you. Yeah, thanks, man. Very cool. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much course thank you guys for inviting me yep now that we puked in your seat you can tell us what you think the five stars get red but one star is dead is dead to us
Gonna get some feedback. It's a feedback song. Yeah. Feedback. What are you, genre Alfio? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, I got run over by Alexis. Alexis. I'm going to get I made my money. technically homeless. God, I watched the Parks and Rec. He's so good, man. He's so He's good. brilliant. There's the one uh, where Tom and Jean Ralphio have that uh, liquor. Oh, snake, snake juice. Snake juice. <laughs> yeah. God, is everybody sna- just hammered. It, it's not snake, snake juice. It's snake, snake juice. juice. It, they're at the snake hole lounge. Yeah. Gosh, man, so funny. I made my money the old-fashioned way. I got run over by Alexis. <laughs> you want to make some money? Yeah, I know a guy. That's my sister. She is the worst. She's the worst. Oh, God, he's so great. Anyway, feedback. Go ahead. Two-star review. Well, we have two five-star reviews. Oh, two-star like, review. What? Not two, reading that shit. Two five-star reviews from world-famous OZ. I can oh, only, yeah, yeah. I can only give five stars. That's what it's called. I think Aww. it's... Is it but, Sean? Huh? Sean knows he? I'm assuming. Dude, if you play something somebody knows from Chicago... Yeah. I think you know this song. You don't know this song? Really? I don't know, do I? <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> it's called I Can Only Give Five Stars. I can only imagine... But... <laughs> What this review will be like. I want to off this podcast. <laughs> but if I could give 69 stars, I would. Ah, ah, nice. nice. That's what he says. Nice. All right, I'm going to have to mute Brad. Thank you don't you. know this song? The pastors How will challenge you. I know that song? <sighs> the pastors will challenge you to love unconditionally and laugh uproariously. Uproariously. There. Yes. You will wish you were in the room. Up Richard Roriously. You will wish you were in the room pounding craft beers with these guys. Love the show. This next one is called It's Thanks, a Thanks, Ozzy. Yeah, thank you. Uh, this one's called It's a <laughs> Sandwich. Literally. <laughs> yeah, it's true. From by Ukul- Ukulele Tracy. Uki. Oh, it's that it's that uh, that girl u- that plays the ukulele. <laughs> <laughs> Tracy with the Y. Each episode has amazing content in the center. Sandwich between ridiculous and profane stories and hashtags. Yep. Each episode so nice. far has made me cry both. That will not go away. It won't. It's not going anywhere. Has made me cry both tears of laughter while emotionally moving me as well. Listening to this pod is like being part of a family that you get to choose. And being a part of the Facebook group makes it even more entertaining and meaningful. Thanks, Tracy. It's nice. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That girl the that plays the girl plays the uke. Anyway, Brad, what you got, Larry? Hi, JC. We love you. Uh, so, dance videos to check out. <laughs> we had a couple of submissions. Yeah, One from uh, Gregory D. Rothbard at Polycarp55, which Michael already ruined. That was uh, great. Thanks. Thanks, Gregory. Yep. Um, I've got, he actually is going to be in the, in the uh, top 10 as well. Uh, and then one also from Emily Carol Black at Goshen Emily. She Gosh. said, dance vid because hashtag body positivity. If this doesn't get me mentioned on the show, I quit the podcast. <laughs> hashtag Bojangles apparatus. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. So check out uh, on the timelines of at Goshen Emily and at Polycarp 55. They uh, check it out. Yeah. Sent us some dance videos. If you listen to last week's episode. Hillary encouraged me to dance, and I told her that is un- in no certain yeah, terms where's your ever going to happen. Where's your video, Brad? Not going to happen. Love, love you, Hills. Ain't happening. Hills. Um, 
Honorable mention. It's a good show. You Michael check it T. Out. Moncton at Monktonius87. <laughs> Monktonius. Monk. Hashtag donkey punching Yoshi. So good. <laughs> Megan Jessup um. at Megan underscore Jessup. Hi, Megan. Just caught up with at Brandon Anderson at Pastors Podcast. Very thankful for a timely, insightful, and challenging episode. Hashtag find a new bear wife. And then she also <laughs> replied to that. Also, remind me never to listen to you guys while eating lunch. Very dangerous endeavor. Yeah. <laughs> Ruben Hood, Robin's brother. Ruben. Ruben Hood. Monsieur Hood. I wonder if he likes Ruben sandwiches. Maybe. Uh, mm. At Pastors Podcast. Is he also, or is he like, uh, shitty Kevin Co- mid nineties Kevin Costner movie vehicles. Yeah. Um, at Pastors Podcast, we thank you for just technically every Kevin Costner tights. Thank you for being one of the few faith based podcasts to not constantly blow you to hashtag tantric <laughs> jerk set. <laughs> so that I say, you're welcome. That is me not blowing you to. <laughs> Matt you, and Michael, you two, the first uh, contemporary Christian worship band. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, no, they're not. I'm not doing this with you two. Al Packy at Packy. I, I love how. Let, let, just let's just pause. Matt used to shit on you two. No, I and then didn't. he went to a YouTube concert. When did I shit on you two? Like, you do so great. When did I I'm shit sure on you two? It's in the files. Somebody I'll tell you send what, me a link. I'll tell you what, buddy. You go back. <laughs> You go back and listen to all of our episodes and find one say, instance. I'll defend Matt on this scenario. He's been a YouTube fan for a long time. Okay. I've much, owned, much I own more all so than albums. myself. Yes. I am softening on YouTube. I'm still never, they're never going to be in my top 10. Arctong Baby is their best album there. I am. Uh, I'm hardening on YouTube. All right. God. <laughs> there, there are episodes. You can just call me a regular Bono. Bonero. <laughs> Bonero, the lead singer of YouTube. <laughs> Alapaki at Becky Akoy. Pretty sure the last 20 minutes of the podcast just gave at Hillary McBride enough material for the next book. <laughs> <laughs> Jason Williams at J Dub, set 47421. Pastor's podcast. Too many things I can't un- unhear. Hashtag hot dog slapping wet pavement. Gosh, Hashtag donkey punching Yoshi. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Number 10. Okay. Uh, Zesty Spice at Becky Seville. Passion's podcast. Another benefit of sending an all woman crew to Mars is that there will be no hashtag donkey punching Yoshi. I might be down. (laughs) (laughs) You see what she's saying, Michael, is that there will be no donkey punching because there will be no men. um, Oh, my God. Number nine. Josh Fry (laughs) at Joshua David Fry. You see, Michael, donkey punching is when. Well, no, it's when a man deeply disrespects a woman. Punches when a man anyway. disrespects a woman, disrespects a woman. All right, move on. Josh Fry at Joshua David Fry. Hi, Josh. Wait, I thought the narrow way was believing the correct doctrine about my white Jesus and reading my English Bible so I don't go to hell. <laughs> yeah, pretty correct. much. Correct. What are you doing? <laughs> I don't know what Number he's eight, doing. Reuben Hood at Reuben Hood. Reuben Doggy Dog. <laughs> the Dog. <laughs> so we continue just to drag this guy through the mud. Jeez. Just rake him over the coals. Number eight, Reuben Hood at Reuben Hood. Um, <laughs> Reuben Hood. That's, how, that's what you'd say Ruben if you were Scottish. Hood. Down. <laughs> no. <laughs> Ribbity rap rap rap. 
At Pastors Podcast, no real comment about the last episode. It's all just hashtag hot dog slapping against wet pavement. That's all life is. Just a, I was I, I was that over. Life. Pretty proud of that. I'm that not going to lie. That was a quality joke. I'm 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 pretty happy about that. Number one. seven, Sandra Turnbull at Goddess Kindled. Goddess Kindled at, at Goddess pa- Kindled at Goddess Kindled at Pastors Podcast. I missed you guys. Up to hashtags and laughing so hard, loving all the words. Hillary McBride's intelligent heart is my new secret crust. Crust? Crust? Crust. Crush. Hillary McBride is my secret crust. Hashtag hashtag donkey punching Yoshi. Number six, Nathan Miller West at Namway Design. Pastor's podcast, I hope I don't get hashtag murdered in a field in the middle of nowhere, (laughs) Indiana. Hashtag live 100th episode. Oh, man. Uh, You absolutely will. Make no promises. Number five, Dan at Inappropriate Dan. At Pastor's Podcast, not w- sure what to do first. Read Hillary McBride's new book or play Super Mario World for the SNES. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag donkey punching Yoshi. <laughs> oh. Jason, w- number four, Jason Williams at JW47421. At Pastor's Podcast, I don't know the hashtag yet, but I can't change my mind and unlook up donkey punch on Urban Dictionary. <laughs> <laughs> Unchange uh, my mind. Unchange my heart. Say you love me again. Donkey punch me again. Donkey punches her in the head. All right, Christina. No, number three, Christina. He doesn't Z. do that, Matt. <laughs> at <laughs> at Pauline, Matt. At hooked on earbuds. At Passwords Podcast, I'm going to have to scrub my Twitter before my next job search, thanks to your <laughs> hashtags. Hashtag oh, donkey punching Yoshi. Yeah, we do what we hooked can. Hooked on earbuds. Number two, Alapaki at Pakia Koi. <laughs> at Pastors Podcast, episode 86 is what happens when the teacher leaves the classroom. 45 minutes of body dialogue, then straight to flogging the dolphin. <laughs> How is that not number well, one? It's not number one. That's, that's really it's not number one because this week I really wanted to end on something good <laughs> and nice. Why? Do you know nothing about our podcast? This is great. Just shut the hell up and listen. This is not on brand for us. It's not, but this is great. It's two tweets from Gregory D. Rothbard at Polycarp55. Hillary McBride, your interview at Inglorious Pastors inspired me. I'm a man of 43 who, born with cerebral palsy, has found dancing joyful. Let us dance like Hillary said. Each day post a new dance moment and find joy in our unique bodies to share the joy that glorifies God. That's why it's number one, boys. All right. Preach. Really great. I saw that. I was like, yeah, we'll not end on a funny one for once. Yep. We've had some serious that's, ones in the uh, past. That's very, that's very inspiring. Yep. So, thank you for that. Uh, thank you. And he did his, his video is very good. Yeah. Uh, Emily's uh, is it's pretty funny. It's hilarious. Yeah, it's I pretty saw good. It's pretty good. Yeah. yeah. So uh, check those out. Um, yeah. So closing time. Rate us on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Write a review on Apple Podcasts. Check out our website, ingloriouspastards.com. Support for this podcast comes from listeners like you. Come on down. Okay, the price is right. I do know this song. Um, go to patreon.com. Will you mute him? Slash Pastards Podcast. All right, I didn't mute him completely. Um, go to patreon.com. Slash Pastards Podcast. Support. Us on Patreon to join the Pastors Pub, get bonus podcasts like Turd Talk, Pub Crawling, Hymns of Reconstruction, (laughs) Bias Around, and even help shape the content on this show.
Hashtiggity tag. Will you play the good one from Peter Cetera, please? Which one? Uh, like a knight in shining armor. Was that actually just Peter Cetera? Yeah, I'm not pretty I sure it was. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really? Just type in knight in shining armor. I, I don't know if I can find it. Yeah, well. Let's just go to hashtags all right. and I'll look all right, for here it. We hashtags. Go. Hashtag little Haley shop of horrors. <laughs> I've got that too. <laughs> Hashtag hip to the twit. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> Hashtag hands on the hips as far as. Wait. Hands on the hips as far away as you can get. I don't even know what that Wait, is. What? Junior high dances. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, uh, hashtag junior high dance awkward erection. Hashtag Keith Green is dead to me. Hashtag I feel like everything Brad does is with an awkward erection. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do. Hashtag butterball. <laughs> say that frequently. Hashtag butterball antenna. It's Brandon. Oh, yeah. Hashtag Brad is nobody's asshole. <laughs> hashtag. I've got to be somebody's asshole. Hashtag sleepy Brad Pitt. Is that it? No, this is a good one, too. No, come on. I think this is I, it. You, is it Glory of Love? Yes, yeah, it, it is. Okay, wait. Let's finish hashtags first. We'll go. Tonight is very clear. Who taught him to sing like that? <laughs> Hey, do a really weird fade at the end of every damn line you sing. Okay. Okay. Hashtag Sleepy Brad Pitt. Hashtag Brokeback Bastards. <laughs> uh, hashtag hard, Hardening on You Too. If you'd like to see Brokeback Bastards, come to our 100th show. <laughs> hashtag, and then hashtag Hillary McBride is my secret crust. <laughs> Crusty. All right, I've got Little Haley Shop of Horrors. Uh, hashtag Pastor's Bump. Hashtag Black Bear with Mange. <laughs> hashtag Keith Green is dead to me. Hashtag Butterball Antenna. <laughs> <laughs> hashtag Bro- That's two. Hashtag Brookback Pastor's. Hashtag Matt Can't Quit Michael. And then hashtag... <laughs> here's, a, here's a dark horse. Hashtag Up Richard Roriously. <laughs> Is that it? Yeah, I do like uh, Keith Green is dead. (laughs) I only have three. I didn't have. I like Brokeback Bastards. (laughs) Uh, um, So I've got uh, Hip to the Twit. I can't quit you, Enos. That's my favorite one. Uh, Or Matt can't quit Michael. (laughs) Um, Black Bear with Mange. And <laughs> how do you spell mange? I'm not sure I know. M A N G E. Okay, that's how I spelled it too. I didn't and know then that was right. Beer Hall Putsch. <laughs> <laughs> that's all I got. Still don't quite understand what that means, but Beer Hall Putsch. We're totally not doing Beer Hall no. Putsch. No. That's probably already a hashtag, and it's probably some white supremacist a holes yeah. that already use it. So we're not using, <laughs> we're not using Beer Hall Putsch. It's kind of like the Pastards Push. Bastard's Bastard's Butch. (laughs) Bastard's Butch. It sounds like a bad word. Butch is just a funny word. It really is. (laughs) We're renaming the pub Bastard's Butch. What's up, Butches? Yeah, we're calling all our listeners Butches. (laughs) Oh, you're a bunch of (laughs) Butches. 
Pastor's Pudge. <laughs> is Pudge a word? I don't know. Oh, somebody look that up. It's a German it word. It's it in Germany. Take it means a whale's vagina. P U Tang. It's a beer all whale's vagina. It's Peter Cetera night in the pa- in the pastor's uh, podcast. We need to decide a hashtag first. I tell you what, that guy could write a really overly emotional. Oh ballad. my gosh! Good God! Yeah, that was, that was one of those. You're like, this guy sucks, and you're weeping in your car by the end of it. <laughs> oh my God! Well, either that, or you want to kick the <laughs> shit out of a Japanese guy. <laughs> All right, uh, Urban Dictionary. <laughs> For Pudge. No, 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 stop what you're doing. We definitely shouldn't call people who are in the pub Pudges. I'm just saying that. We retract all that. Don't, don't. All right. We need to pick a hashtag. It's a cross between a, never mind. You're not even going to fight me. No. It's a combination of two words. I'm on. I'm on board with uh, Brockback Bastard. To be completely honest <laughs> yeah, with you, kind of I, I like that. I like what's up, Pudges. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that was a word. Brockback Bastards. I'm okay with that. You don't want to do uh, hip to the twit. No, that's not happening. No. What does that even mean? It doesn't mean anything. It's a Michael thing. <laughs> Either that or junior high dance awkward reaction. <laughs> <laughs> or uh, butterball antenna. Can we do? I do like butterball antenna. <laughs> Broke back putches. Let's do. Let's do butterball antenna. We're not doing anything with putch in it. No, it's not, not going to happen. Not now. We're not. So just stop. Uh-uh. Uh, <laughs> you do butterball antenna. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you what it says, but in the uh, in the Arabic dictionary. But I'm going to tell you what it says. Here's the usage of it. Thank you. Sometimes I just here's the usage. Damien's a fucking putch. That's great, Michael. It breaks my heart to see you cry. All right. So, um, will you stop it? Nope. Oh my god. We need to finish this. I'll just turn. We need to finish the episode. I'll just play this. Oh, because this is the good part. Pause it. Pause real quick. Real quick. It. Save it for the end. There you go. There, there we, we go. go. Just in time. All right. All right. Um, That's a sexy man with a sultry voice, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Peter Cetera. All right. So if you've listened to this episode entired, in its entirety, hit us up on social media. God bless you. God bless America. Um, I don't even believe that anymore. No. No. I don't believe that for a decade. All right. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Debbie Downer, <laughs> myself. Good job killing the vibe. Anyway, <laughs> way to kill a room. Did we decide on the hashtag? I was yeah. I was butterball listening antenna. To Peter oh, I thought we were doing. No, I think uh, we did butterball antenna. Bastards. Let's, yeah, butterball antenna. Let's do fine. butterball antenna. Yeah, <laughs> that way. Well, Brandon Anders homage. That way, Hatmaker uh, won't be getting punched in the in his hashtags. <laughs> God, he's not gonna let that go, is he? <sighs> really wish I'd never said anything. <laughs> okay, Butterball Antenna, Michael. Uh, hit us up on social media, at Pastors Podcast. At Paulie Name Matt. At Paulie Name Brad. I'll be there until Talking at about least soccer. Thursday. <laughs> raging about the United States men's soccer. <laughs> like, you know what? Just, just absolutely f*** them. Like, watch the women. They're actually good. Yes, they, they actually are. have talent, and they actually play hard. Yeah. Watch the women's team. F*** the men's team. Yeah. Into the dirt. And I'll be at MJ Basinger, not talking about soccer. Yeah. 
So, um, yeah, and on Facebook.com slash Pastors Podcast, Instagram, Inglorious Pastors. Um, and don't forget to check out the, the Twisted Sisters on their podcast. And also, don't forget to leave a voicemail, 484-PASTORED, 484-727-8373. Get a voicemail in, ask us a question. Yeah, really. We ask really about, should, or we're literally going to be st- sitting here with, like, <laughs> blank looks on yes, our faces. or the for, silent retreat. Yep. All right. I'll take it away, Brad. The man who will fight for your honor. I'll be the hero that you're dreaming of. Forever, knowing together that we did it all for the glory of love. Might be the longest I've ever held a note in my life. Woo! Alright. Yeah. I'm not even sure it was the right note. I was inspired by Peter Cetera, boys. Oh, we should have. That was really something. Yeah, boy. Uh, Really should have made that hashtag the pastor's punch. He's just, it's coming back next week, you know that, right? <laughs> can, can we rename the Master's Pub for two days? Can you rename it on Facebook? To I the don't know. Put it, put it real good. <laughs> Facebook.com slash Master's Pudge. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh, gosh. Oh.